Hello, welcome to episode number five of True Cult Pop. It is a podcast about music. It's me, Stephen Hill. How are you doing? Hope you're very, very well. I am joined, as ever, by my uh, ice and a slice to my gin and tonic. <laughs> I haven't thought of a thing that you are this week, Sam. It's Sam Slight, anyway. How are you doing, Sam? You all right? I'm radiant, thank you, Steve. Well, I say that, I'm actually feeling a bit under the weather. I don't know why, but I've woken up today just feeling sick as a parrot. But hey-ho, I'm looking forward to the show. It's going to be good fun. I tell you what, I'm glad you didn't describe it in the manner that you described <laughs> off it my, yeah. off air because it was pretty rank not what you for, were saying to not me. Not for to broadcast. Not for broadcast. Also, we are delighted to have our first ever guest on True Cult Pop ever uh, on the show this week. Our guest this week is an artist, a DJ, a producer, a podcast. He's worked with the likes of Mike Skinner, Skepta, JK, toured with The Streets, toured with Tricky, has been praised by Pharrell Williams, and most importantly of all, he recently released his excellent second solo album, This City Needs a Hero. It is our pleasure to welcome to True Cult Pop, Murky Dave. How you doing, Dave? Yeah, good, man. Nice to be here, man. Nice to, nice to be chatting with you guys. Yeah, we're delighted to have you on, man. Very, very happy to have you on. The album, um, it's all a little bit confusing because Sam and I spoke about your album. We were just saying mm. before we started recording, you listened to us speaking about your album when we were a different brand. Yeah. We've rebranded. We don't need to go through all of that now. But um, yeah, we were we were really like keen on the record. But you said yourself, actually, that you you enjoyed the idea of it being critiqued slightly more than just people going, check out the new album, it's sick. So we appreciate you taking the time to listen to our review. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was one of my favorite, I would say it was my favorite review of the, of the record, man, because it was just, yeah, wow. it was, it was just, yeah, just, just being tested in that way. But also like, I know you liked it, but it was like, actually you mm. like, you went in, you were like, oh, I really like this lyric not too sure about that lyric and I, and I, and I, I appreciated that because then that's I mean that's the whole point of like art if it's if it's if it's there it's got a um, it's got to have a reason to exist rather than just being mm. art for art's sake so I, I, I liked it man how's the um, the the kind of the promotional trail and the response been to the record because it's been a few months now. What's it been like for you in the aftermath of it coming out? Yeah, it's been really good, man. I mean, uh, like at, at the the week that it came out, I didn't really get a sense. It was so kind of crazy. I didn't really get a sense for how like you you can't read all the messages and stuff. Um, but but now that things are, you know, you get you you, you get a bit more of a feel for how people feel about it, and it's good, man. Obviously, I'm I'm about to I'm heading out on tour. Um, and so like that would be another check where I can kind of see how how people feel about the records and wh- how the records coming back to me when I'm playing them. Mm. Do you want to pimp the uh, the tour dates? I mean, I'm dead keen to come and see. Yeah, some yeah, of the yeah, yeah. Played live, I think. So where, go where, for it. Are you in London? I'm in London. Yeah, yeah. So I can be l- in London the, anyway. The, the London <laughs> the London show is the the, the 29th of of October. Um, isn't an assembly hall, but kick kick off. I don't know when this is going out, but um, kick off uh, tomorrow. Uh, or actually, we kick off on the <laughs> sorry on the twenty first of uh, of uh, this month in Bristol. Okay, cool. Well, actually, that's the day that this podcast goes out. Oh, amazing! So if you're in Bristol, if you're listening to this this morning, come and down. you happen to be in Bristol, come down, check it out. Uh, annoyingly, I'm going to a Halloween party on the day that you got that you're playing London, which I didn't know. Oh, which I'm man. now very frustrated about. And I've bought a Bane mask. That's <laughs> well, the just, only person well, can... just come come in the Bane mask and then go to the party <laughs> like after. 
I'm, I think that I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to like a Halloween party after actually, after the gig. Oh yeah? Yeah. Well, you got your costume sorted? That's always an important thing to do. Oh, no, nah, man. I just... You got to dress up. You got to dress up, surely. I just, just go as a black man. <laughs> well, fair. Okay, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, well, look, on the show this week, we're going to be chatting about the new album from the 1975. And Dave, you've also picked five albums that you consider to be hugely influential albums to the yeah. sound of your record. Because yeah. it is a very eclectic sound that your record has. Thank you. And you've picked five very eclectic records, which I'm interested mm. to be talking about. Okay, all right. Yeah. Sam, you want to add anything to Dave's picks as a little tease before we get into them? Oh, little tease. I mean, I think eclectic is definitely the word. I think there's there's an interesting through line that I could definitely pick up on revisiting um, Dave's second album that I think does carry between some quite disparate styles of music. But uh, yeah, I do. it's a really, really interesting selection. Um, there's three in particular that I'm like, fuck me, I can't believe I've not heard this before. So looking forward to diving into them. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that as well. But before we do, we have to do this. I'm sorry, Dave. We're, we're going to do a hard sell now, Dave, for our Patreon page because we need the money. So patreon.com forward slash true cult pop. If you want to help us out with any kind of financial recompense for stuff we do, uh, you can spend any amount of money. Suggest a record for us to review and Sam and I will review it. We're doing, as this podcast goes out tomorrow, you should get a podcast on Tenacious D's debut self-titled album so me and sam once again attacking the uh the art of comedy rock <laughs> once more well which is something that we've done i mean you say uh, that, a few times you say that but we'll see won't we we'll see how we really we'll feel about it you're a fan of jack black at all dave yeah do you know what i ha that's a name i haven't heard for a minute but i quite like the tenacious d stuff um can i can i can mm. i push can i push my um my patreon as well you know yeah, man. Yeah, of course, yeah, go yeah. for it. Murkish Dave, uh, come join MDFC, man. It's like it's like my kind of, it's like my OnlyFans. Um, <laughs> All right, <laughs> fantastic. Okay, yeah, <laughs> very. We don't go quite that exclusive, to be honest. Uh, mate, not, but, uh, <laughs> wait until we introduce, wait until the twenty pound here, and we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get twenty. If you want, if you want to see Sam's nipples, then you're gonna have to come pay on. at least twenty five pound a month. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> uh also finally this week so i went on i went on holiday to greece and it meant that we um i scheduled our classic album on three feet high and rising by della soul and patreon oh. being a bit rubbish it didn't actually upload it but i have now uploaded it so if you pay five pound a month you can get now the classic album of me and sam talking about three feet high and rising by della soul it is up there it is there it's available for you to listen to now sorry about the delay um i love that album sam hates fun um he was less keen on it. <laughs> dave De really quickly della soul you're a fan yeah man um i am actually like uh, how do i put this i have a really nice memory of of them actually because um i was in do you remember like when like gorillas uh, did when they did the Demon Days album, they did like mm -hmm. five dates at the Manchester Opera House. I think it was the first year of Manchester International Festival, and um, I was in the choir for that. Um, for, for, for no way, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can see wow. it. Wow, you can if you watch it on the DVD or on YouTube, there's like a beardless me in the choir, and um, he had like he had every single person that was on that album. Apart from, I think, Dennis Hopper, every single person, like Ike Turner was there, 
Nena Cherry and, and Della Soul were there at, at that time. And I just remember thinking, man, wow. They were absolutely massive as well. Just like. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, keep Ike Turner away from a few <laughs> other people, I guess. You know? Mate, mate, yeah. I mean, that was just before he died, man. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and uh, uh, Sean Ryder. But, but I was like, I didn't know really much about the Happy Mondays at that point. And I was just like, who is it? He's like, he kept walking in our dressing room and he had this like weird liquid in a, in a, in a glass, in a, in, a, in a plastic bottle. And I was just like, who's this weird guy? Like, just kind of like- And it was Sean Ryder. Lurking, yeah. I was like, who's this weird guy lurking? And then I seen him come <laughs> out on stage. When I seen him come out on stage and every single person was on their feet, I was like, okay. Okay, I see what's happening. He's a big here. deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, then obviously, yeah. like, uh, but yeah, this was this was like, uh, this was a while ago now, like maybe like fifteen years ago or something like that. So I did my research. Wow, that's then. amazing. Yeah, I'd forgotten about yeah Della that song that they did on um, Plastic Beach, Della Soul and Gorillas is amazing. I think that's my favorite Gorillas song. I'm getting slightly off topic here, mm, yeah, but sorry. basically that is yeah, yeah, man. Oh th no, that's fine. That's an amazing thing to have happened. So yeah, okay. Go over to patreon.com forward slash true cult pop and you can sign up for that there. Um, extra stuff. And also coming this week, Sam, you've picked the next classic album, which on a slightly different tip is Scum by Napalm Death. Yeah, I mean, you say a different tip. I think there are more parallels than you'd expect because there's a hell of a lot of fun in a song like um, Multinational Corporations. Yes, yeah. definitely. And yeah. 20 what odd tracks, laugh. some of which we probably yeah. don't need to deep dive on, a bit like some of the interludes. Mm. But yes, yes, Scum is going to be a lot of fun. Going to be well heavy. Yeah. You uh, you into grindcore or extreme metal at all, David? Napalm Death ever kind of permeated your senses Mate, before? I, don't, I didn't even know what you guys are talking about. I'm not going to lie, man. All oh, right, <laughs> but, fair enough. But, but, yeah. but, um, but do you know what? Actually, like my, my, my tour manager is uh, big into metal in general. And uh, so he plays, you know, when he gets his turn in the van, um, he, 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 he gives me an education. And, and actually one of the things that, I mean, the, the playing on that stuff is technically just like incredible. And, and, and ironically, it reminds me a lot of gospel music. Like... Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, which is um, kind of weird. Yeah, you're going to have to definitely, yeah, you're so going to have to justify it, that. Yeah, it's like elaboration. Well it's, <laughs> it, well, it's just like a horseshoe, isn't it? It's like, it's like, it's like fascism and communism are a bit closer together than you realise. <laughs> and, and it's kind of the same <laughs> with like metal and gospel, isn't it? So they're at the far ends, but, in what they, but actually like the playing, especially the drumming, like insane. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we'll get into. Um, I'll do you a playlist, mate, of Please, some yeah, absolutely yeah. top class metal stuff. I mean, Napalm Death. Uh, you're never gonna. You don't want to. You don't want to start someone off with Napalm Death. I think would be okay. like, particularly from the early because that is significantly difficult to to get into. But I think if you want to get like, yeah, if you well for drumming. There's some mad drumming on yeah, the Scum yeah. album and just mm. Napalm Death in general. No, please, I mean, please, amazing. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, looking forward to doing that, Sam. So that is, as I said, patreon.com forward slash true cult pop. Speaking of um, uh, kind of good drummers and metal and technical stuff, we usually pick a song that's been stuck in our head at the the start of every week. Sam, you've picked, go on, tell, tell us what you picked because this is such a, a great song. This is a great song. And actually, I think this is one that could go on a playlist as sort of introduction to more extreme stuff because it's 
it's got a real kind of abrasive heaviness, but it's also got so much melody in it. I think it's quite hard to escape the the loving grasp of Milk Lizard by the Dillinger Escape Plan from their third album, Ironworks. Um, don't know about... You, well, no, I know that this will have been way into your tenure as a Dillinger fan, Steve, mm-hmm. given that I know that you saw them on the Calculating Infinity Tour. But this, for me, was the song that made me fall in love with Dillinger. So the first time I ever saw them was at UEA in Norwich, supporting Mastodon on the Hunter Tour. So this would have been like January or February 2012? 2012. 2012, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was then. And... Um, Walked in, uh, I think Red Fang were just finishing because Red Fang have to tour with Mastodon. It's just the law. So they're on every mm. single bill. And they finished and I was like, oh, the Dillinger Escape Plan. I've heard they're quite violent. And that was <laughs> that was all I knew about them. And they came out and I stood there for however long they played. I don't remember because I don't remember much of their set bar just thinking, this is awful. This is just noise. What is this? Who would even like this band? And then I went home <laughs> and I was like, God, they were so rubbish. I've got to go and listen to like 40 of their tracks on YouTube to make sure <laughs> I know how rubbish they are. And Milk Lizard, it just hooked me. I mean, it is inescapable. Um just the the riff on it which is kind of quite swaggering rock and roll but then with that real mathy intensity and the jagged angular nature that so defines well all of dillinger early and even the more melodic kind of latter period stuff and then that you know the massive hook at the end when the drums really start swinging with this feels like never ending lucky for you listener my voice hurts so much from last night i can't actually sing it which is good because i'm basically tone deaf but oh mate fucking brilliant song I am biting my tongue to not do that hook right now. I so fucking good. love this song. I am. I actually, fucking love this song. I am actually going to. My next tattoo is going to be the words, this feels like never ending, like around my collarbone. That is going to be my next one. Because I've been wanting a Dillinger tattoo for a long time. And I've decided this week after listening to that, that's what I'm going to go and book in. Definitely. Dave, are you familiar at all with the Dillinger Escape Plan? I don't know if you listened to this song. I don't know if you had a, had a hear of it. I don't know if you know anything about them at all. Um, do you know what? Actually, my, my mate, Teeth, uh, T-E-E-F he's um, hmm. I think they might be his favourite band if I remember and, and he played me he, he's 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 sick by the way he's got some stuff dropping real soon so um, uh, plug in with him but but um, he uh, he played me some stuff a while back and I, I thought it was incredible um, but I that, uh, but beyond that no I don't know much really I mean they were the most insane live band yeah. you could ever possibly wish to see, there's, pretty much. There's I a mean, video of them played at the, I think it's a Virgin Megastore in like 2003. Yeah. Uh, and they start with the first song of their first album, which is called Sugar Coated Sour. And within the first four seconds, the lead singer has just run across the heads of all the crowd. And he's just like screaming in people's faces, love being sort of carried around this shopping center. And it's all done on sort of like old camera phone footage from the era. And it's just passes right. by going, what the fuck's going on? It's like, that's what a Dillinger show was like. Well, so he day. was, he was, he was stepping on their heads. Yeah. Yeah. He literally yeah. Like head yeah, yeah, through the crowd, yeah. but yeah, yeah, only yeah. for sort of four or five people. And then he'd just be lying on them. Just yeah. yeah. No, I see, um, I see method man do that. Um, here with my my old um, I used to be in a group before and we supported Wu Tang um, at Manchester Academy and uh, oh, wow. decent. yeah yeah like I seen him doing that and I was like wow that's like <laughs> I think he like I think I, I, in my head he managed to like go out on people's heads and get back on stage I, I think I must have imagined that but it was I think it's I think it's possible yeah 
Okay. I think it's. I think it's possible. I think when you're method man, that many people <laughs> want to get a piece of you. Right? They, they will you. stand they, fucking still. Yeah. In, like, trust me, with the Dillinger escape plan, I think people were running away from oh, him. Yeah. Most of the time, so I don't think Greg got quite as far. But right. yeah, that song is amazing. And also, what I like about it is, I've noticed the last few years a lot of heavy bands incorporating what I like to call kind of '70s cop show theme <laughs> music into their songs like there's been like converge had that song that sounded like a kind of 70s cop show car chase and clutch had one on the last album that did it but that milk lizard that's got a real like dukes of hazard mm. knight rider uh chips kind of you know that kind of old 70s whacker whacker it's you know guys with handlebar mustaches sabotage kind of thing to it like i fucking love this song is it my favorite dillinger song i mean it's impossible to pick when they're probably one of my top five favorite bands ever ever yeah. ever but yeah man you need to check out the dinger escape plan dave in every cool. respect no, like they I, are so good yeah like i said what i did here i was really blown away by and then i just kind of for whatever reason never made it back but now you've given me another reason to to delve back so i definitely will do mm. yeah it's great on a slightly different tip <laughs> from sam's milk lizard is so i've been in i've been on holiday in the last week right and I have been sitting around a pool and just sort of relaxing. And in Greece, uh, there was a DJ in the resort that I was staying who, I think I said to you the other day, Sam, he had like 70 different remixes of Careless Whisper by George Michael. And none of them were any good, right? Like he had a sort of... I like the sound of the club. one without the sax. That sounds great. There was one of them took the sax off of the fucking... It's like, That's insane. Are you mad? That's insane. That's sacrilegious. Like, don't take... Yeah, that is, absolutely. Like, bro, like... Rest- like what, Respect the dead. Like, <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't need some tropical, like, d- house remix of Careless Whisper played at, like, fucking 500 BPM <laughs> without the sax. Come on. Like, what are you doing? Anyway, but he did play the odd banger here and there. And one of them, that it came, a song came on and I was like, oh, my God, I've not heard this song for ages. And it was Superstar by Jamelia. So this, I never knew, it was a cover of a Danish pop star called Christina Milton. And um, this is the the British R&B singer Jamelia released this on the 15th of September 2003. Went to number three on the UK charts. Sold 400,000, what I'm assuming will be physical copies. 400,000 copies, that's pretty good. Uh, it was also number one in Poland, the Czech Republic and Australia. And it's the 26th best-selling single of 2003 in the UK. Mm. Superstar by Jamelia. I'd completely forgotten about. It got played about three times on my holiday. And I just remember every time it came on, everybody talk about, we, we, we. I was like, what a <laughs> banger. What a fucking banger. Um, this song is great, no? Back me up, guys. Oh, no, I, I agree. I fully back it. Fully back yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I never knew it was a cover. I always felt like it was an incredibly written song. E- even at the time, you know, like, because sometimes you need to look back and you know, like a lot of that stuff that was popular, it's it's like wash. But I, but I, even at the time, I was just like, no, nah, there's something about this melody that like always stuck out to me. It was just like, I don't know, it was just really well crafted as a song. Um, mm. But I, I never knew. You say it was a Danish, it was a Danish hit first, and then it. Yeah, someone called oh. Christina Milton, oh, okay. who I I've never heard of no, before. Check that, check that version. But, yeah, but that came out only a few months before and then Jamelia took it and I think she's sort of... So, like, poor Christina Milton, who had it out 
as her song for probably about six months and then Jamelia took it and turned it into like a number one smash well, and a I huge mean, hit across the world. Did she so, write I mean, but did know, she write it? Did that original did she write it herself, that original artist? Uh I couldn't tell you to be honest. Let me have a little look. Because if she did, um, that's not poor her, that's like happy her, surely. She wrote yeah. it. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. She didn't. She didn't. It was wrote, oh, written by mate. somebody called Remy, Joe Balmati, and Cutfather. Oh, Cutfather. So it's, yeah. you know, kind yeah. of. I know, mm. I know Cutfather. Because Cut, Cutfather and Joe, they uh, what? They were like, I think they produced Return of the Mac. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that. They did a lot of that kind of like late 90s like um like st- I, I call it kind of call it street pop like like kind of yeah like r&b crossover r&b i think they produced a lot of the another level stuff around that time uh so yeah that, oh I'm, yeah, that... I'm looking at their um their discography here the songs that they've written and they've done um queen latifah patty labelle wow. cc peniston another level like you say yeah. i mean they've done a lot with five Bit of unit sound, lovely Come stuff. On. Lovely Bit of me, stuff. To be fair, Come it's on. like Ace of Base, uh, Westlife. They <laughs> yeah, work with yeah, Atomic yeah. Kitten, A One, Kylie, Blue, Flexing by Blue. Fair play to all that. the street. Shane pop, Ward, man. street street pop. Yeah, bangers. man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jordan Sparks, the Saturdays, Pussycat Dolls. Yeah, they've done a lot of stuff. Pixie Lot. Yeah, fair. I mean, Superstar is an absolute banger. It's got like any any great pop song or truly great pop songs, and we'll talk about truly great pop songs in a little bit but any truly great pop song will have like three hooks the way you go well that could be a, the just a one-off chorus you know like some songs you go oh there's the hook that one hook superstar's got like three hooks in it at least yeah like yeah. every single you know the way or where that and um you know that you must be some kind of superstar mm. that is a bit in it as well and i don't know where it is like every <laughs> single part of it is just like this massive iconic hook and it feels like you know jamelia now is a, a loose woman and a sort of tv personality i feel like people don't really talk about jamelia as an artist as a sort of musical artist she was good i think once once like all the kids that are like obsessed with the y2k era now once they find out about Jamelia's back because she had like she had that tune with um Beanie Man as well what was that called and it had like a a classical sample in it that was a big tune uh yeah. I, I, there's a really good performance of that on top of the pops um yeah she had she had bangers man um so I think yeah, once they did. clock once they clock what she was doing that's going to be like another I think revival wave there yeah I'd like to see that I'd like to say I was into Jamelia. I thought she was cool. Sam, mm. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this song because you would have been like, what, nine or something when this came out? Uh, yeah, I would have been, yeah. Um, I <laughs> didn't realise I knew this song because obviously as soon as that called, well, to be honest, as soon as it started, I was like, oh shit, yeah, this one. Like, and I should have known from the title because obviously Superstar is such a prominent lyric and that melodic hook that makes up the chorus is just undeniable. Um, I couldn't tell you if I've ever heard any more Jamelia and I am definitely one of those people who's probably due to find out about her in some kind of... Um, <laughs> some sort of revivalist, I don't know, movement that comes along the bring back, you know, everyone who's on Loose Women have their glittering pop career back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think uh, uh, Linda Linda Barker, uh, is it Linda Barker? Or the, well, well, the one out of um, Birds of a Feather, she didn't have a pop career. 
Oh, so, I don't know. I, think, I, I heard she drummed on Ironworks, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, this this song, got she got nominated for, I mean, that year, it was a big year in 2004, and the British is nominated for Best UK Solo Female Artist. This got nominated for Best British Single. Like, you know, respect. Yeah, put some yeah, respect so. on Jamelia's name is what I'm saying. Yeah, basically, always. chaps. Always the queen. Yeah, fair. <laughs> yeah, she's very good, and this song is an absolute banger. And I tell you what, it's certainly better than fifteen terrible remixes of fucking Careless Whisper that, <laughs> that guy made an absolute stinker of. Um, before we go into anything else and talk about the albums that we're going to be talking about, little bit of news. Um, we missed this because I was away, uh, but Blink One Eighty Two have got or Tom DeLonghi is back in Blink One Eighty Two, uh, which has been big news i mean look people who've listened to me for a long time will know what i think about blink 182 uh i can't believe anyone's getting genuinely excited about this but people appear to be getting really really excited about this mm. um dave blink 182 are you excited about the return of tom DeLong? i don't know anything about them really apart from travis barker yeah, that's all I know. All I know. He is, is good, Travis. Barker. I, I, I got the tra- I had the Travis Barker like solo album where he just had like I swear he had like Lil Wayne and people like that just like rapping on his shit. But like I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean I I will probably know like ten of their songs because they are like massive. But like I don't mm. know anything about them really. Yeah, Sam, do you want to give your thoughts on this at all? Uh, my thoughts on this uh, as a story is blimey um good on turnstile for getting into arenas and you know obviously being the best band who are going to be on that touring package i mean that's that'd be a nice Mm -hmm. early night wouldn't it if you can get a cheap ticket get in and see turnstile and get home before 10 o'clock perfect (laughs) yeah lovely stuff well i tell you what get a ticket get a cheap ticket get a fucking ticket this is the controversy that so mark hoppers from blink 182 um actually tried to buy because people have been going mad at the ticket prices Mm. and the lack of availability of these tickets so this entire blink 182 tour has websites are getting crashed people are losing their tickets mark hoppus actually went to try and buy tickets for his own band's tour and um he said i bought two tickets for two of our shows myself to see what the experience was like i had the tickets yoink from my cart and the whole thing crash out so even mark hoppus who's in the band can't buy tickets to see his own band play which is i don't know that is either the demand is phenomenal or i don't know this buying tickets is a is a fucking nightmare um i don't know i don't know what this is as a story really like i don't know if it's much of a story that ticket sites are very very difficult to <laughs> to navigate <laughs> yeah i mean to navigate in 2022 but you know i, I think we've got Oh, so. Oh, sorry. No, go on. Go on, Dave. Rather than uh, your perspective. Uh, 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 I just say we've got to take it back to analog, man. I'm, I'm all about mm. like just ticket touts on the street, man. That's that's where. Yeah. You know, like just take it back to the essence. Like I remember, like when I was coming through, you know, like you know, going to play some like, uh, you know, like uh, Reading Festival, like like halfway, you know, like in the small print somewhere, but you know, like that those guest lists you could get those you could get those tickets that you've been given to a tout and that would be your petrol money home man so like i appreciate those guys massively 
Yeah, I've got a lot of time. I, I, ticket touts back in the day, people are bloody touts, selling for loads of money. I fucking I miss those guys. Yeah, man, they're like huge. Because you can speak to them, yeah, right? Yeah, you can talk yeah, to them can, and you can mm. barter with them and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you can actually negotiate with, look, I've only got, you want 20 quid for this ticket. I got 17 pound in change. I'm going to want a KFC after I come <laughs> out. <laughs> do it for do it for 12, mate. Do it for 12. Come on, the support band are just finishing. Do it for 12. A computer doesn't care about that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, what were you, what were you going to say, Sam? Well, I was going to say, I mean, funnily enough, touts was going to be sort of one of the um, things I was going to touch on, which is I imagine um, it's kind of a two-pronged thing of there'll be a lot of people looking to resell on Viagogo, which is awful. I would rather have, you know, as you say, a sort of tout outside the venue trying to, you know, rip you off, but at least you can sort of, yeah, discuss it with them, haggle them down, probably get into a fight and then not see the gig anyway. So that's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, Viagogo, obviously scum. But then... Yeah. Possibly even worse. Uh, I saw on the Damnation Festival forums on Facebook, some bloke was saying, oh, my lad really wants to go and see Blink-182. This is the ticket price. And it wasn't apparent that it was resales. I think it's part of the dynamic pricing thing that Ticketmaster are doing as well. So it's like 226 quid for one standing ticket because it's really? like, oh, because insane. they're doing that kind of, it's re- it's absolutely disgusting. They're doing that, you know, Uber kind of surge price model. And it's like, oh, fuck off Ticketmaster. Get Eddie Vedder back. Yeah, Get him right. taken down. I seen that with um, Arctic's. Uh, I think it was via Gogo or one of them resale places. Two hundred and fifty quid for a ticket. I mean, to be fifty, it, it's mental. To be fair, I was looking at. Um, I'm going to see. Uh, well, we're going to see actually. Uh, Depeche Mode at Twickenham next year, and I looked just hypothetically the day after at like what a ticket was going for on Via Gogo. I think there was one standing ticket that was like six hundred and fifty pounds. It's like fucking. Mate, do you obscene. know how many? Do you know how many Mercus Dave tickets you can buy for that, mate? <laughs> do you know what I mean? I'm four, keep... four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I'm I'm for the people, man. Twenty, like a, a twenty will get you in, man. Oh, sorted. A, tw- yeah. a twenty will get that... you in. Dude, you be you be fucking filling bricks in academy with those ticket prices for soon come. <laughs> yeah 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 um i mean look you know that is bad although it tempered somewhat for me by the fact that look if you want to go and see blink 182 um you, <laughs> you got get what you deserve to worry yeah. about <laughs> yeah you got more to worry about than the cost of a ticket i'm afraid <laughs> um so let's not talk about blink 182 yeah tom delong's back they released a song i haven't listened to the song no. i know i don't like it because um because blink, blink 182 in it yeah, yeah absolutely r- rubbish in better news this is good news. The Mercury Music Prize was awarded this week after it was called off um, for very good reason. Last time, what was the Queen? Can't can't admit to liking music when the Queen died. So obviously they've moved <laughs> it over a little bit for fuck's sake. Um, little Sims, sometimes I might be introvert, won the Mercury, which I'm delighted about. I think Sam and I, we spoke previously about the various nominations. I thought there were some good nominations, um, really, really good nominations, you know, Wet Leg and Koji Radical would have been happy to see those two win. But really, I had my fingers crossed for Little Sims winning this. I thought it had to be Little Sims, really. And I'm delighted that the Mercury got it right. Uh, Dave, do you pay much attention to awards ceremonies like this one? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, when actually when my when my debut album came out, Mercury's Dave Changed My Life, um, a lot of people were saying, um, and people did say it about the, the uh, City Needs a Hero as well, that, that, that it should go for the Mercury, and we did. We did actually go uh, for it with with Mercury's Dave changed my life. But what I realized was really, it's like 
it's an it's an award for I guess at one point it was an award for people that didn't have a chance of getting a Brit or whatever, but it it isn't now. I think I think it's it, it does feel quite establishment, um, but I still think that it's great, and I do I would really like to win it myself, and I think I think that Sims, um, you know, because she I think I think she missed out. Was it twenty nineteen? She missed out. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. But but actually, I think she's won it for the right record. I think this is her best album. Um, I think I, I I think the only thing uh, was uh, I um uh, I I could have I could have it, it, for me it was like Sims or self esteem. I think those were the two that I felt mm. like could have got it. I think I, you know either way w- would have been like a fair result. But but I'm happy for Sims because I feel like self esteem's got another shot definitely at, at, at getting it you know yeah yeah i, I mean I, I i think a lot of people love that self-esteem record absolutely yeah. love it and i think it's decent but for me i mean i think sometimes i might be introvert i mean it's my in my top 20 albums of last year i thought it was you know amazing i saw her at reading earlier this year she was incredible at reading mm, absolutely mm. incredible and that material sounded fucking spectacular so for me like there was a lot of stuff that i would have been like oh yeah that's cool that you know that that one if that like i would have liked to see like koji if koji radical had won i would have been like that's weak that's great he's he's great but i really thought that for me sims was the standout of of that group personally so i think you know the mercury's have been on a pretty good run recently i think you know like arlo parks last year and dave the year before i think those are really fucking great artists i know in the past maybe like 10 12 years ago i would have been moaning a bit like why has that not been nominated why has that not been nominated and i get where's iron maiden <laughs> yeah where's iron maiden <laughs> <laughs> yeah where are iron maiden <laughs> um <laughs> but, but um but yeah i feel like you know they've they're they're even though it probably like you say when you see stuff like sam fender and harry styles getting nominated for it, it is a bit like well yeah it's like i mean like the the people were saying you know wh- when you look at that how how was i even gonna even get a sniff at it when i you know I, i'm i've made two really great records that would should be in consideration for it but really i'm just not industry enough to get the the, the shout yet but but um, you know maybe it will happen. But but I think I think with Sims I think I think another notable shout out really is is the producer of, of like Inflow. I th- I think he's incredible. Mm. Um, I don't know if you guys know the um, I I think uh they they're actually they uh, stop me if I'm wrong, but I think they have a kid together. Um, the 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 the, the Cleo Soul uh, album, which is incredible. I don't know if you guys have heard that. I've not heard he that. Produ- no. he, I can't he, say yeah, I have. No. He, he produced that. That's like, I think it came out twenty twenty one, but like it was just like for me like the sole album of the year for hundred percent. He produced that. Uh, um, he he's produced like stuff for like Michael Kiwanuka. Uh, he produced some of the last Adele album. He's like the the guy, and 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 I think you know she gave him she gave him a big shout out when she received the award. So I think. He's he's due his props as well, you know. Yeah, I mean the production on that record is amazing. Sam, you're a mm. fan of that record as well, aren't you? I was very much so. Yeah, I mean Little Sims is not an artist I really knew prior to you um, going absolutely bar me for how good it was, and then I I listened to that album and was like, oh yeah. I mean, once again, 
Once a bloody game, Stephen Hill's right about everything. <laughs> always. Bloody hell. Always, mate. Always. always right. But uh, yeah, Little Sims is amazing. I think it's uh, fantastic that she has been given this recognition. And I, I agree with you, Dave. I think this is her best album from what I've heard. You know, I've not delved into her previous material quite as deeply. But I think this, I don't know, this one just speaks to me the most. So I'm really pleased that a, a brilliant artist is getting recognition for yeah. brilliant work, yeah. essentially. And much as I enjoyed his album, which I think has become a bit of a running joke, I'm quite glad Harry Styles didn't win because he is making a bit of a tit of himself the world over at the moment. So quite happy for him to not have another record. I mean, I do like that. Re- I do like that record. But what has he done? What has he done? Like I've just been following like oh. Liz Truss, man. So I don't, I need to be put up a speed <laughs> on Harry Styles. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, I wish... I wish there was more Harry Styles news in the world and not various members of the cabinet moving day after day. It'd be a nicer world. Basically, um, well, the sort of rundown is he's been in this film um, recently called Don't Worry, Darling, and it's just been the most kind of dramatic gossip films ah, production yeah, and release yeah, yeah. and everything like that. Um, he I spat on a man, Dave. He spat on someone. I saw that. He spat, he on, spat on Chris Pine. Yeah, I saw that. And then they they did a whole PR campaign saying he didn't spit on him. Yeah. But I looked at it and yeah, I was yeah. like, no, something happened because the way that the guy reacted. Something definitely happened. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's like... Uh, I mean, to be fair, fair play to the other guy because I would have just whacked him up on camera for that. Like and then that, that <laughs> yeah I mean fair you yeah. know that that would have been it but but um yeah he did spit on him he did something what, like you what know, else it, was it, it looks like it yeah I don't know it was a bit chewy like I didn't see anything come out because of, of I didn't see anything come out of his mouth I can't believe we've gone back to this Harry Styles <laughs> spitting <laughs> so oh, much we went on about it like, so long again, the week it happened again you're obsessed Sam you're obsessed I was like, oh, yeah, we're, we're both but, but yeah but it um, is it is. Yeah. It is quite a surprise, surprising behaviour. Everybody I know who's ever met him said he's the loveliest guy. And I don't know. Yeah, I, I, can, I, I guess I, we're all capable. Of, nice. yeah. We're all capable of doing, you know, things that aren't reflective of that. I guess, but yeah, I mean, like, you're gone. Makes me sort of wonder what. I mean, if that is true, then maybe Chris Pine is the problem here. Maybe Chris Pine's done something. We have no one's been. Yeah. You know, maybe he's like a real <laughs> shit behind the scenes I don't know who knows we don't know do we we've had this conversation plenty of times where you go look man well, you don't know what people are capable of doing after you know the, the cameras are shot off if Harry Styles is capable of flobbing on someone in front of a packed cinema in front of the world I don't know I, this is this is I've, what I else feel, can I you feel do like it I'm, be the new Lex Luthor I feel like I'm <laughs> d- treading dangerously close to like having the, uh, my lawyer come in and be like <laughs> we're gonna get sued by Harry Styles let's move on anyway <laughs> congratulations I think the main thing takeaway is congratulations yes, to Little, Little Sims, Sims who's fucking great <laughs> and yeah, yeah I'm glad uh, Harry Styles good album but you know shouldn't spit on people otherwise you know no. uh, Little Sims wouldn't do that and she's better than you let's talk before we get into your albums Dave one big album that came out last week that I definitely wanted to talk about um, was Being Funny in a Foreign Language by the 1975, uh, the fifth studio album from the Manchester-based indie pop band follow-up to 2020's Notes on a Conditional Form. This album is a big record. It's going to go to number one in the UK albums charts. I mean, that is definitely going to happen. Um, I've spoken a fair bit over the last few years about the 1975. I think people who listen will probably know that I like the pop stuff. When the 1975 try and be a bit clever, um they've always lost me a little bit the last record i thought was a little bit disjointed but when they go for those massive pop hooks i was so in i was so in on that and then when i saw them at reading earlier this year i felt like fuck i've 
maybe missed the sort of target with this band a little bit because they were brilliant. They were absolutely brilliant. So I was dead excited about this, but I'm interested in uh, the two of you's sort of opinions going into this record. Dave, I'll start with you since you're our guest. Um, what are your thoughts on the 1975 prior to this album coming out? Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely love them to like an embarrassing degree, to be honest. Um, <laughs> and and I, I'm maybe the opposite to you in that I, I kind of really got into them via the stuff where they were like trying to sound a bit like Radiohead. Like that, that right. that's, that's where, I, that's what piqued my interest because before I was kind of just like, uh, and actually I, I think I think we've got some kind of like mutual friends because I, I, I lived in Manchester for a long time. Um, and, but I, I kind of seen it. I was like, okay, it's kind of nice, kind of like blue-eyed soul, you know, like kind of um, American psycho vibes. You know, like I, I can get with that, but then I think when they started getting a bit more experimental and 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 then the lyrics, um, you know, like love it if we made it, you know, like just this, I think when you start getting a bit more political lyrically and stuff, it kind of like drew me in, and then I and then I, and then I could have like an appreciation for the entire thing. But I do agree, like this record that's just come out, um, is a bit of a like. It, it they're, they're like sticking it's still creative but they're sticking more in that kind of like smoother it's a, it's a smoother record than the last two and um I, it's interesting because i think like the singles didn't blow me away as some of the singles that they've done prior but then when i listened to the album as a whole i was like man this is beautiful it's an absolutely beautiful record um I I I I love them. I think Matt Healy is. Uh, I I love Matt Healy on Twitter. Like since Wiley yeah. got banned, since Wiley got banned from every social media, I have got to make do with 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 Matt Healy. Uh, he's uh, <laughs> he, he he's he's good fun, and uh, like you know, I I I think they're incredible. I would love to support them on tour. I don't know if I, I'm not on Dirty Hit, so maybe that wouldn't happen, but. I would love to, um, you know, I would love to collaborate with them. I would love to, um, uh, you know, come out on tour with them. I think they're, I think they're incredible. And actually, actually, we 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 share a photographer as well, uh, Jordan Curtis Hughes, incredible talent. Oh, decent. Yeah, amazing. Well, um, I, that would be a really good fit. I think the 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 two of you together. Mm. Uh, Sam, Definitely. I know you are uh, much more of a newer, even more than me. I think like. Do I want oh, to yeah. say convert to the 1975? After this album, you definitely can. Really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, definitely, mate. Um, yeah, to be honest, I had not listened to the 1975 until um, your Reading review from this year, where you were like, hang on, they're an 80s pop band, and he's basically Bono. This is fucking brilliant. I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. Because um, uh, I had I, always assumed, and shame on me, I think it was purely a kind of aesthetic thing. I just assumed they were going to be a quite sort of ephemeral indie pop band in a vein that i didn't really like and my word how wrong i was this album's fucking brilliant i think this is absolutely brilliant and even the stuff where it does go a bit more arch and i think it tries to sort of present itself as a bit more worthy um particularly particularly in the latter half i think songs like all i need to hear and about you oh no less about you but like when we are together and human too 
when it does try and go a bit more serious sounding, I still love it. I think it works so well all the way through. But yeah, I mean, I, I would describe myself as a convert, especially if we're talking about, well, everything from the, um, the you know, eponymous intro track all the way through to I'm In Love With You. I think this album starts phenomenally well. Yeah, mm. me, like for me, yeah, that start. I mean, you've got the the 1975, which I know all of their 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 albums start with the song of the 1975. But this sounds like kind of it's that weird pop. It's that sort of like plinky orchestral version of Sparks. Or is it, do you know what I mean? It's got hmm. that kind of really weird, um, slightly unhinged seventies disco pop thing going on with loads of all. And I was like, wow, this is just. The, again the production the one thing i have always said every time we've reviewed the 1975 is the production is fucking astonishingly great yeah. i think everything mm. sounds magnificent on their records and when you get into that first song happiness and it's got that i don't know like hall and oats <laughs> sort of yeah, vibes yeah, on yeah, it like, yeah. do you know what i mean like it's so i was so delighted to hear that because that popping bass the bass pops the sax sounds so thick mm. and rich and i was just like oh this is yeah. this is exactly the sort of shit i want to go for i'm delighted you said uh american psycho as well dave because this is <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. me again going full patrick bateman i like the commercial <laughs> stuff <laughs> i just do i just fucking do i like i mean looking for someone to love sounds like it should be your ferris bueller's day off like do you oh know what man I mean? it's, it's just so fun so great yeah yeah uh, I, I, I love it I think another thing I, I definitely agree with you. Like the the opening track is incredible. I just I mean I I've had that on loop. Sometimes I can't get around the rest of the album because I just keep going back to that one. And I I think that another thing is the just the chords, man. Like the chords at the end of that track. I think that's the thing that like you know they are kind of like it's one of those things, isn't it? Because like on paper it's a band that that people might want to hate because like, you know, the singer, you can kind of say mm. maybe he's, you know, Matty, he, he's like, some people say he's pretentious or he's like, a, you know, he's like a kind of like, he's not, he doesn't fit that kind of Manchester mold of being a bit like more kind of like bolshy. He's a bit more kind of like uh, frail, isn't he? And like, kind of like sensitive. But I think that the thing that you can't fuck with is just like, like you say, the production, the writing, the 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 playing is and it's all so it's like it's unfuckwivable. That's the thing. And so no one can say anything, basically. Yeah, and these are just I mean, you know, particularly for the first what are we talking about? The first six songs, I think yeah. are all just like worldy pop songs. And they pull from stuff that like you say, it's not the typical indie pop thing like for some reason like part of the band to me sounds like a sort of um modern uk version of something that like springsteen or tom petty would mm. do like yeah. it's got a bit of it but with this kind of glitchy electro backing and this sort of weird little it's like sort of pink floyd meets bon Iver towards the end as well like it's it's a really unusual mix of stuff, but those core again, the choruses, the hooks, they like say the playing, everything about it is just it's just so expertly done. They've I, mm. I, I really feel a bit like stupid 
for going oh the night are the 19 you know like a few years ago i would have been like they're a bit of just a hype band aren't they in 1975 are they actually that good is it not a bit of like style over substance and then you listen to this and actually going back to the you know the 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 last three albums and stuff i'm sort of now realizing just how good and how difficult it must be to craft an album like this i feel like Mm. this is would be such an incredibly difficult undertaking to get this shit right because it's such a weird mix of stuff Mm. i think they chose such an interesting line as well i mean dave you were saying about you know people maybe take against matty healy because of um sort of an air of pretension i really love that throughout the album there is that um kind of almost lyrical neuroses where he's like yeah i can be pretentious at times but sometimes i'm worried about that and sometimes i really want to show that off i think for me the best example of that is um in i'm in love with you which i think lyrically is a bit more straightforward as a song <laughs> and then when it gets to the bridge and he starts going into those kind of weirder metaphors and slightly looser stuff and then he literally says don't fuck it you muppet as part of one of the lyrical passages <laughs> it's brilliant it's so it's so knowing and I, I, really really charming like before i definitely would have thought matty healy seemed like a pretentious twat but now i'm like no he's just really really smart and really sensitive and vulnerable and quite happy to show himself as a very candid artist yeah, i think this is brilliant i love this album really really mm. in on it what about the second half because i think it does change quite a bit in the second half i like you know being like more of a patrick bateman type when it gets into that sort of second half when i think there's there's a song um uh, wintering which reminded me of all i want to do by cheryl crow um but like a kind of twee indie version of it and i thought it was i thought it was good i thought it was good um and I th- but i thought it took until the strings coming in on that song for me to really be like oh i really really love this but all the kind of more loushy kind of loungy um piano-y almost kind of jazz clubby vibes to it i am i'm i'm less into that but I do think they do it really well. But I just think for me, the like the sugar rush of that first half of the record, mm. I think does slightly overshadow the second half for me personally. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Yeah, like that, that re- I think it was wintering. For me, it kind of like reminded me, I, I never know song names, man. I'm so bad for song names, but there were, I think it was wintering the one, for me, it kind of gave me like a Graceland kind of like uh yeah yeah of, like kind of vibe i think it was that that one but, but yeah i don't know which is i guess not maybe i've got the wrong song it, it, no, it kind of comes you... in on a, I, I think wintering is that yeah, one. yeah, yeah. okay yeah, cool yeah yeah that, that that one for me is the standout on the second half definitely yeah ah mm. uh, because to be honest actually um for me the standout on the second half probably would be about you which is one of the well sort of fits into the mold of the stuff that steve you're saying you're not so into because i really like that kind of airy breathy i don't know sort of duet between you know healy's vocals and um and i well couldn't pin down who the um uh, female collaborator was on it but she does it brilliantly plays off against him so well and i love that it does have that kind of smoky jazz club vibe and then this kind of building absolute wall of noise that kind of sweeps over the last minute or so of it it's like running away from a date that's kind of gone horribly wrong i thought that was a great one um i'd say that would be my pick for the second half but to be honest there's nothing on this album that i don't really really like um i'd say if i was going to pick a weakest moment maybe human 2 i think that one feels a little bit like they are aiming for the kind of this must be our magnum opus kind of thing and not just enjoying making a brilliant pop song but um but even then i can't go too hard on it because it's still great i really like that i write it's sort of got a yeah. kind of r&b feel to it it's um and actually about you with that kind of almost kind of 
goth balladry on it i think is mm. that is one of my favorite parts of the second half i think i believe don't quote me on this but i think um it's michelle zauner of japanese breakfast i think who does the vocals uh, on I that I thought it was, but I couldn't absolutely confirm it. So I didn't want to say just in case. But yeah, that was who I thought it was. And whoever it is, if it is yeah. Michelle Zauner, um, fantastic job on that song. Thought uh, wonderful kind of um, foil to Matty Healy's kind of softer vocals and a bit more restrained and reverby vocals. Yeah. Um, there's a line on the last song. I mean, actually, when we were together, which is the last song, it reminded me, some people I think will go ugh at this, but it reminded me a bit of Mumford and Sons. Are we... Um, <laughs> Is that all right? Everyone, no one's going to cuss me out for that. Is that all right, everyone? Uh, it's all right. I'm not a fan, but it's all right. Like, Again, I don't really, I don't really know much. I mean, obviously, I'm, like there's <laughs> obviously, they've they, they got huge songs that you can't avoid, but I don't really know anything about them, man. They're not, they're not really in my, I, mm. I don't, I don't, I don't see that. I, I see, I've seen that my guy, he went solo or he's done a solo record. I've seen that. Right, yeah, I think so. He's done but, a bunch of stuff recently. I'm yeah, not, I'm not but, really but, paid loads of attention either. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, it's not really in my in my kind of view, mm. really. Yeah, but there is a line, the, the day we got cancelled because I'm a racist and you're some kind of slag. Uh, again, you talk <laughs> about like knowing lyrics. That is a fucking, On the that nose, is a fucking yeah. brilliant lyric. Because like you say, Dave, Matt Healy on Twitter. Yeah. I mean, he just winds people up, doesn't he? No, but I remember that day... <clears throat> Because it was like 2020, it was like right in the thick of like Black Lives Matter, like being at the peak of like everybody's attention. And I, I just, I seen it happen. I, like it's, it's funny, it was like watching a car crash happen in slow motion. Because the point he was trying to make was if you listen to the lyrics, if you look at the lyrics from uh, Love It If We Made It, they are literally so uh, like directly speak to the issue of the, that everybody was dealing with. But I think that like someone else had, had, like say if I had gone online and said, these lyrics speak directly to this, then everybody would have been like, yeah. But I think because it was him, everyone was just like, why is this white guy trying to like promote his album? <laughs> like through like <laughs> yeah, black trauma, yeah. do you know what I mean? And, and then, but then, yeah, yeah. and then he like went back at everyone and was like, oh, and tried to argue with everyone. And I was like, oh man. Cause he didn't actually, he didn't actually say anything. Uh, he didn't say anything racist and he didn't say anything crazy. It was just, sometimes you've just got to read the room and like know when to shut the fuck up basically. And I think he probably has learned that. Well, people are on him all the time. I mean, even the day, like, I don't know if you saw the tweet with the girl who's like, oh, Matt Healy didn't, know what my name was and she's like oh my name i can't remember what her name was now but he oh, goes yeah. what when she said her name and people were like, how dare you like my mate jamie i don't know if jamie's listening but jamie was like look at this fucking tory look at this fucking tory <laughs> a fucking piece of <laughs> like just because well, he went what when someone said their name to oh, him okay <laughs> he's not a tory he's not a tory yeah. though is he no i, I, I don't very much doubt so. it no yeah, i know yeah, yeah. but like people just wanna sh i think people just they're a massive band He's yeah. a figure, uh, a a divisive figure in that in in a very very big band. Twitter gonna Twitter in it. People are gonna get yeah. at you for whatever you do. Yeah. And Matty Healy can't even sort of sarcastically go, "What? What kind of name is that to someone who's one of their but, fans who doesn't give a fuck?" Without getting like, but 10, also 000. I think 
I, I think he buzzes off. I think he buzzes off pissing people off though. Like, you mm. know, it's that sh- sh- shit sandwich thing, isn't it? Like you kind of like, but then you always bring people back to a happy ending. Yeah, you yeah. give people this kind of yeah. like really beautiful album, you know. I, I, I think at, at times, I mean, maybe not right now, but like at times he, he reminds me a bit of like Kanye online as well. Like where it's like, I mean, Kanye has gone kind of pretty far lately. But just that thing of like, we deliberately were like, let's not talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't have to talk. We, we don't have to talk about it. We don't have to talk about it. But but just like that thing of just like always just like rubbing people up the wrong way, but then just like coming with something that you can't deny, you know. And then you know, and then he's off. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it is. It's true. I like. I mean, beyond all of that, this is a great record. This is a great record, and I am really really like i seem i feel like i have flip-flopped so massively on the 1975 so quickly like from going in just being like oh, i'm gonna watch a bit of them at reading to see what they're like i quite like a couple of that song those songs from that last record to just being like wow this band are amazing live and then all of my mates going yeah yeah like fuck me you need to get <laughs> and then i just like fuck it i'm gonna buy a ticket for the tour so i'm gonna see him in january and now with this coming out i'm like oh my god i'm unbelievably excited to see this band play mm. these songs like with what i'm sure will be an amazing production and sound and stuff so yeah i am i'm I, i'm in on the night i'm i'm there i'm in the 1975 being do funny in think, a foreign language i got one question right do you think that part of the reason why every like there is this thing is because their fan base their core fan base is this kind of like it's like a or, or was at least like a lot of young teenage girls, like kind of Tumblr kind of fans. Mm-hmm. So I feel like kind of like taste ba- makers naturally, you know, wouldn't want to like them because, you know, you, you, mm. you would, you know, like, would you want to be stood in the standing section of a 1975 gig, you know, like surrounded by like screaming girls, like may, do you know what I'm saying? So I think that that's part of the reason why people wanted to hate on them, but it's kind of become impossible now. Yeah, I, I think you've. I think that is a very astute point, actually. I mean, I think you know, I, I've said before, you know, it is. I'm 42, and I went. To, I mean, I went to see Dave at the O2 at the start of the year, mm. and I watched a load of people who were old enough to be my kids file out in front of me. And I yeah. think there would have been a time where I would have felt a bit self-conscious about that. There would yeah. have been a time where you'd watch like taylor swift fans or harry styles fans on twitter and you'd see who they were and what they'd like or you'd see that and you'd go i don't really know if i want to be associated with them me a music (laughs) journalist with my serious opinions and all these and now i just think that like i think hopefully you get to an age in your life where you're like i really don't give a fuck about yeah 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 the 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 fans do you know what i mean like i like what i like i'm not going to let someone else you know and fucking hell we were all kids once i i was when i was a kid and if someone said they didn't like Kurt Cobain when I was 13, I would have been so obnoxious to them. So yeah, yeah. fucking <laughs> like, we're the worst. You but, know what? I mean, you, you still would be now to be fair. I would to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I think You know what? what? One of the legendary, I remember having like a legendary six form like common room argument about who was better, the Artful Dodger or Nirvana. Like that has to be one of the dumbest arguments <laughs> like in music ever. Like it's just like, how can you, you can't even compare them. But like yeah. that was the tribalism that was going on in that mm. time. And I think we, you know, 
but 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 I I, th- I think now I think now that thing's kind of done. So it's quite nice to just you know you can be into this and be into that, and it's cool, you know. Mm. Well, that's sort of what I mean. The entire point of this podcast, I guess, like from someone who. I guess for me and Sam who have basically been spent our entire lives really listening to hard rock and metal and punk and stuff like that mm, to turn mm. around now and go, actually, it's all right to, it's all right to like fucking um, Lizzo and Blackpink yeah. or whatever. Like that's, that's actually fine. You know, and Sick. I think the attitude of people who are like, oh no, I don't like that because it, you know, stop trying to push these shitty genres on us because, or getting annoyed. You know, we're, me and Sam are both massive fans of Tool and Tool, the reputation of tall fans, but people don't like tall purely because they don't like tall because fans. Because of their fans. Right? And it's yeah, like, right, right. well, you know, the fans don't come and stand next to you when you've got the, the and you, when you put your <laughs> headphones on and listen on Spotify. It's not like, like 30 people surround you and start patting you on the <laughs> like shoulder. Bloody and, Mary. But like, yeah. you know, just listen to what you want to listen to. And I think, you know, like, yeah. So that might be a thing that the reason why, I mean, certainly for me, I remember when, I first heard about the 1975 and people going, oh, they've made the new OK Computer. And it's like, okay, well, I bought OK Computer the day it came out. So we'll see if it's as good as OK Computer. <laughs> you, you kind of go in with that like pushback mindset. Going in the back know? foot. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's got to go. What do you reckon about that, Sam? You, because um, you, you, like you said, you had this opinion of 1975 just being this kind of ephemeral indie pop band, as you said, before you'd really listened to them. So do you think that played a part? I think that's absolutely on the money. I think, yeah, the fan base was definitely a thing that, yeah, probably not necessarily alienated me, but I think I was still, when 1975 were, you know, starting out and coming up and their kind of meteoric rise to where they've been for the last few years, I think, yeah, I was still basically an absolute twat. who would be like, <laughs> no, no, I'll I'll sit here with my Godflesh hoodie instead, <laughs> thank, which I am wearing right now, to be fair. But I'll be like, no, no none of this interesting enjoyable pop music i'll sit here with my industrial noise rock thank you very much and look how much better i am and uh, yeah just don't don't be a dick basically i was i got it very very wrong well it's good to see your attitudes have changed even if your clothes haven't i've got a a fugazi bootleg shirt on have you really yeah yeah, it says (laughs) i'm gonna get (laughs) mckay's gonna come drag you out of your house look at he has good bring it on Ian got, yeah it says this is not a Fugazi love shirt. he don't mind Just Etsy so, he, do, he yeah. don't mind that actually Mackay does he don't mind he let the minor threat t-shirts go into Urban Outfitters so fair yeah. anyway look being funny in a foreign language by 1975 is out now by the time you listen to this podcast it's probably going to be number one in the UK album charts and well deserved mm. I reckon uh, let's move on so Dave here's what we've yes. got you on for because your album is such an interesting collage of sounds and ideas and styles and genres I was interested to see what the kind of genetic musical makeup of you as an artist would be. So I asked you to pick five records that you yeah. felt were influential to the sound of you as an artist. And you've come back with five cracking records. Um, how quick, how easy was it? And how quickly did you pick those five albums? Did they just come straight to you or was it like a, a sort of arduous process? I think it was the difficult thing was kind of like uh, thinning it down to five because there's so many albums that I would say are responsible. Like I'm putting together, I haven't put it out yet, but I'm putting together like a playlist of like all my influences at the moment. And it's taken me like, oh, cool. It's taken me like months because it's like there's just so much music and then I'm going to have to kind of pare it down to like some kind of digestible amount. So it's like it was more, that was the thing. It was like I was trying to pare it down to like five that, like 
represented all the other ones that I'd put in the list. But also like maybe some albums that I hadn't talked about. You know, I was talking about, I was in like the Evening Standard on Friday and I was talking about like the Block Party Silent Alarm album. So I was like, okay, cool. Let me just leave that one out. So good. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, but, but and yeah. you know, so that that's, that's yeah, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, it was cool. Yeah. All right, good. Want to give a shout out to any that just missed out before we get into your first pick? Um, I mean, Inner Visions, Stevie Wonder. I mean, that's you know, I, I, but but I mean, I've I've been talking about that album forever, so I guess like, you know, and I, and I think I think uh, that was probably like the the one record that was like the core influence of the City Needs a Hero in terms of like mm. not the sound, but just like the fact that he managed to like make a, an album that was like social commentary but that can like live way beyond the time you know you've listened to like he's mr know-it-all it's like that is like about you know they said it records about nixon but it could be about it could it could be about trump it could be about boris johnson do you know what i mean it could be about anyone mm. and i think that was that was kind of what i went into with the album was trying to achieve the same thing um but i i, I i've spoken about the album so much i thought let me give some other ones a, a shot you know yeah mm. fair okay well look let's crack on with your first pick then so your first yeah. pick is hotels by jasmine sullivan which is the yeah, fourth yeah. studio album from the philly r&b singer released last year her first yeah. album after a six-year gap the previous album being 2015's reality show i have to say was not familiar with the music of jasmine sullivan even though she's been around for a long time yeah. um just quickly she said of this album it is a schematic uh, schematically a successor to didactic concept albums like the miseducation of lauren hill now people who listen yeah. will know that's big words if you're going to compare yourself to lauren hill yeah yeah, yeah you best yeah. you best back it up so what made you pick this record yeah i mean firstly hotels is spelt h-e-a-u-x so we're not on yeah. this pod just saying ho do you know what i mean no. we're saying ho you mm. know but but um okay first firstly Jasmine Sullivan is the best singer on the planet right now the best I mean I I can't speak for like classical or opera or anything like that but in terms of like pop music she is the best singer on the planet that's the first thing and I think that what she's done is usually the best singer on the planet does not make the the best music because they've been the best singer on the planet and every time they open their mouth, everyone's like, oh my God, you are the best singer on the planet. And so they don't feel pushed to like make songs that, you know, you know like when you can, when, when anything you do, when you open your mouth gets that kind of response, you, mm. you're almost like not pushed to make great songs songs you end up making average songs but i think what she's done is made an album of songs and and i can see why she's comparing it to miseducation because it defines that this kind of like era of like like what women are going through through this kind of like instagram lens and I, and that's what I really appreciate about this record is that she's she's spoken for like not necessarily for me but for like a generation and a whole section of people 
uh, rather than just being like, oh, look at how acrobatic I am. Look at how, I mean, like literally, if you go and watch like her, I think it's her NPR, that is the best singing you will hear. Like, I, I like, like since like Whitney Houston died, like it, it's, it's incredible. So I, I, I think this, that paired with actually caring about the songwriting and like creating a snapshot of, you know, and I think, I think you know, the, the album is so conflicting. Like some of the things you hear, you know, some of the skits and stuff and like some of the stuff, it's, it's like, you know, there's a lot of, there's, there's, there's a lot of kind of hurt. There's a lot of pushing hurt back out, but then there's a lot of like trying to, or just explain how you feel. And I don't know, it, 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 it just, it just really hit me this record. And so yeah, I had to because I, I was I was gonna maybe go for the the the, the uh, Scissor like the Control album, the first album that that was a big influence for me as well. But I think that like this one's more recent, and it just um, yeah, it just stopped me in my tracks, you know. Well, it, it, no, I'm gonna be honest, right? I missed this completely, and then I looked okay. into it, and I saw it was named Album of the Year by Entertainment Tonight, Vulture, NPR, LA Times, and Fuck me, the notoriously snooty Pitchfork. Wow! Right, album oh, of the year in Pitchfork. Right, went to number four on the US Billboard chart. Won the Soul Train album of the year that year as well, but only got to number seventy nine on the UK charts. So okay, yeah. I'm wondering if maybe this hasn't sort of crossed over for some reason. It doesn't feel like this album was, and, and and Jasmine Sullivan has crossed over to the UK in the sort of pop world that maybe the world that me and Sam would be paying more attention to in the same way as she has done in the US and maybe that's why I missed it I don't know yeah I, I would say so I mean like I'm I'm quite used to I guess like since I would say the late 90s uh even before you know like you know I would I would be reading like Blues and Soul magazine and 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 Touch magazine and um, and, but that, that that was like a lot of British soul in there as well. But just like picking up, I would I would always pick up on like the the hot stuff, like the neo soul stuff from over there. So I'm quite used to kind of I don't know, and like I I just you know I, I'm 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 talking about a like I mean it's clearly not like a, some kind of like rare album, but I I I would agree that she's not as known in in the kind of uk pop circuit but if you're into all in the short way i'm saying if you're into r&b she'll be like up there for you right now mm. and um you know uh i forgot what i was going to say my brain's gone but yeah cool <laughs> that's all right <laughs> i know the feeling sam don't worry. what do you think of this record i'm interested to get your take on this i think this record's incredible um i absolutely had no idea who jasmine sullivan was but um i think uh, I mean, th to be honest, the, the kind of the broad genres that this kind of falls under the umbrella of, it is something that I've not really paid attention to for the best, well, the majority of my life, to be honest. It's only in the last few years I've been starting to listen to stuff that is more influenced by soul and hip hop and R&B, et cetera. And the, sort of the myriad genres that fall under that um, that particular, well, I'd say umbrella. Um, I thought this was amazing, though. And I think, um, I mean, Dave, when you said um, Jasmine Sullivan is the greatest sort of living pop vocalist i did kind of think like well, that's that's a bold claim but i mean she gives an amazingly dexterous performance across yeah. this album like when you get 
pick up your feelings it's that beautiful soul the sort of um the harmonies with the choral backing vocals but then you get put it down the sort of next track proper massive inverted commas amazing where there's a real kind of aggressive flow to it and it's like you've done all that in the space of five minutes and it hasn't missed a beat at all and it's funny that um when i was looking around this album seeing people refer to the the tales as skits um I've gone on record as being say, uh, saying I'm someone who generally kind of doesn't like skits on, on records. But on here, I don't really consider them as such because I think each one is a really interesting snapshot of the character that is then going to be fleshed out in the song mm. afterwards. Um, and I think the storytelling ability of it is absolutely incredible. You know, in these kind of two, three minute pieces, she weaves these narratives about these, I suppose it's, yeah, well, kind of on... on the most obvious level is female empowerment, but it's about sexual liberation and also about kind of sexual coercion and those relationships mm. um, and trying to kind of square those things off in, in your own life. And I, I thought this was absolutely wonderful. Um, I think I'd struggle to pick a favourite moment, to be honest. I thought it was remarkably consistent. And the fact it is all done in quite a curt package. I mean, this is what, 36, 37 minutes long? 32 yeah. 32 bloody hell shorter than the klusky d dallas <laughs> i.e the perfect length for an album which is great um i think the other side might just pip it for me as favorite track because i think that um as a kind of miserable goth boy it really leans into the kind of bleak aspect of the storytelling that i do gravitate towards more so but um uh, i'm going to be saying this quite a lot throughout this episode i think i feel like an absolute idiot for not knowing who this person was this album's absolutely floored me the storytelling ability and the delivery of it is just incredible. Well, I'm yeah, glad. It's, uh, it's it's far more dense than I thought it would be. Like mm. when when I saw it, it's like R and B and hit and soul and stuff, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a big kind of very very instant and bombastic record. But it's really yeah. reflective. It's really introspective. And the first couple of listens, I have to say, I was kind of struggling to get a handle on it because I was like, oh, those hooks aren't immediate you know what i mean it, it didn't feel like it's i don't think this is a an, an immediate record but once i got like five six listens into it and once i started really kind of knowing like where the track was taking me and stuff and where i started to realize what these songs were i mean you know i wouldn't say it's hiding what it's about at all but i don't i think there are far more layers to it than just a typical um sort of a heartbreak album or whatever do you know what i mean there's so mm. much to it than that and i think i mean the produ the production's great i think you're right to point out jasmine sullivan's performance i think every any time ari lennox turns up on a song with her the combination of those two together is like mm. hairs standing up all over your body like yeah this is this is fucking great again never listened to this record before i'm in the last week since you sent it to me dave i must have listened to it 10 or 11 times i think it's the one wow. that i've listened to the most and it is fucking astonishingly great this record so great i'm so happy do you know how happy i am to have put you guys onto this record that that's you know like for me i'm just a music fan at the end of the day and like there's no better feeling than that than like putting someone onto a record that they maybe not would not have found and then hearing mm. that kind of response, that's almost as good as you really loving my record. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's <laughs> a similar feeling. No, it's a similar feeling because, you know, when you're yeah. passionate about yeah. something, you're compelled to share it. 
and uh yeah no that's that's great to hear man yeah man it's really really great this record really great so um there you go that is ho h-e-a-u-x <laughs> tells by jasmine <laughs> sullivan Important clarification we just need to make that very very clear clear let's move on to your next record dave you picked till shiloh i think that's how you say it I think it's Till Shiloh. I don't know. Till Shiloh, I think it's okay. Till Shiloh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Till Shiloh, okay. By Bougie Banton, the fourth studio album from the reggae legend, uh, released on the 18th of July, 1995, um, at the height of when I was a kid, the, the pop reggae revival of the mid 90s, which really has very, very little to do with this. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> Very, very little, but you know, I just needed to point it out. Uh, this is when Bougie Banton started to embrace his kind of Rastafari faith a little bit more in his music and move away from that kind of guns and gangster style thing. I think I believe, is that right? In say, am I right in saying that Dave, this record? I, I'll be honest. I, I don't know. Um, it's not like I have like, um, I love Bougie Banton. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I know that he had some more kind of like hardcore, uh, material earlier. I mean, and some of it that he like apologized for making and, so this was more of this is more of a conscious record so i think i think that timeline probably is correct but i wouldn't say i'm, I'm like the expert on like his whole arc as like a, a a thing but um i don't know man this 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 record is like you know like how like people uh rave about the nas ilmatic record as that kind of like definitive yeah. where like it changed from the rakim thing to like the next era mm -hmm. of like hip hop. I think that like this record is in the same way for like reggae dance hall. It's like, you've got an artist at, at, at their peak, but also the producers that worked on it. And that combination um, is just like, it's just, it's just that record for, for, for this genre. And like, um, but there's a lot of hits on it as well. You know, you've got like murderer, walk like a champion, uh, not an easy road like there's like big songs as well um as as like um my favorite tune is like what's the uh the one oh i can never remember the names of the song any song no uh, track two like the first <laughs> the first song uh oh tell i'm led to rest oh man like bro like yeah, when yeah, i'm yeah. when i am when i'm backstage and i'm and i'm maybe like i've got the, the, the jitters a bit before i'm going on stage I just put that song on and it just kind of locks me. I mean, I, I'm, I am Jamaican, so I guess it's like a bit of like a different thing as well. But like, it just, it just, I don't know, it does something where it just like locks me back in to like my source and then I'm like good, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it takes me back to like, like weirdly because, you know, when I was probably, so I was 15 when this came out and I didn't listen to it at the time. Yeah. Um, but I kind of grew up with, I guess, like I think I said before, kind of the specials and madness were the first yeah, yeah, two yeah. bands that I liked ever as like a three-year-old kid. That was the first music I ever gravitated towards. And so, you know, my dad and my mum would sort of push me a little bit towards Trojan record stuff. And, you know, okay. I always had this sort of, you know, like, oh, you should, we've got some Bob Marley records in the house and stuff. But then, and then the kind of 90s pop reggae thing happened. Mm. And I was well into, you know, Shabba Ranks and, Chuck yeah, yeah. and pliers. That was a bit of me back in the day. But then I didn't really ever sort of properly follow it through. So I was more, I was aware of Bougie Banton. And this does remind me, like, without weirdly, it's got, I've got, I listened to it and I had a really kind of weirdly nostalgic feeling towards it, despite the fact that I'd never listened to it before. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that 
this is a cool this is a very very cool record like it just is something which i don't know maybe sam's going to disagree with me but i think when you listen to reggae is a bit like um a bit like motown in that i sort of go you surely like this music right like sure i can't <laughs> imagine someone not liking it um so yeah like i i is this the greatest re reggae record i mean i've listened to it a few times i think there's some absolute bangers on it hush baby hush is a fucking absolute mm. banger mm. what a banger but um yeah i think i'm just kind of predisposed to just like this kind of thing i think from this sort of feels like it's very early on in my dna i was like predisposed to like this kind of thing so i'm i like this a lot i had a fucking absolute riot listening to this what about you sam um so i would have been less than a year old when this album came out so <laughs> definitely didn't listen to it at the time so sorry about that poser well, i wasn't on the on the on the bougie banton train earlier um i i have basically zero sort of predisposition to um reggae and it is um again kind of you know in broad strokes it's a genre that i've been discovering through um we bring him up quite a lot on the show the bug and you know his work okay. particularly in sort of dance hall stuff i mean he did an album this year uh absent rhythm which was a dance hall album where it was one beat um with 17 different vocalists all sort of manipulating it and bringing their own flavor to it and that um the first track on that actually is called satan and it features um nazamba and that was the immediate kind of hook that i got was from banton's like gravelly um sort of swivel-eyed kind of i don't know rastafari kind of preacher man feel it's like these feel like these kind of hymnal edicts but obviously on the bugs album it's so high progressive here i mean till i'm laid to rest it's just an absolutely beautiful song that gentle subtle percussion underneath while he's you know I don't know, almost elegiac in the kind of way he's espousing this um, celebration of humanism and humility as well. It's like, I thought it was absolutely beautiful. Um, in terms of your point, Steve, about reggae and Motown, yeah, I can't see why anyone wouldn't get at least something out of this because it's, it's a joy, it's quite a joyous space to be in, particularly this album, I think. Um, I think Untold Stories, you know, um, I think that's even more sort of sorrowful uh, compared to Tell I'm Laid to Rest anyway. Um but more in line with that laid back approach, the kind of lackadaisical music that's very, very slight on the album, quite sparse. Um, and I like that it's uh, it's got this sort of little string refrain in the back that's so subtly buried in the mix that it doesn't take away from what Banton's actually talking about, uh, which I think is, you know, front and centre. Um, he is the key to this record, which is not always the case for solo artist records i find um mm. as i think we'll get on to a bit later <laughs> yeah. not michael jackson don't worry yeah, no. yeah. oh spoiler alert spoiler <laughs> well michael jackson's good didn't you know steve uh. sorry dave mm. what are you gonna say no yeah, I, I think it's really interesting listening to both of your um kind of like roots in to uh jamaican music um i feel like um uh, Stephen, your your what you were saying about like it, it's very interesting because um, you know like you were saying like how it, this is a cooler record, but it had the DNA of someone like the pop reggae stuff that you knew at the time, and I think that um, that's because I, from going to Jamaica a couple of times and just kind of like locking in a bit more. It's not like over here where like you've kind of got like the pop world and then you've got the alternative world. Actually, like I would say the majority of the kind of like, you know, like Shaka Demas and, 
And um, who, who else did you say? Um, Shabaranks. Shabaranks. Yeah, you know, like mm. these these artists because you're coming like Jamaica is such a small country. You know, if you're an international star, I mean, firstly, you've come from, you've come, you've, you to to have made it to that level. You there, there aren't really like that many industry plants. It's more like no, you would have made it through, and then to become an international star, I feel like they they celebrate a lot of those artists. So it's like there's not this kind of line between like what's really commercial and what's like cool or underground. It's all like one thing. Like they, they don't really have like a kind of like idea of like something being a guilty pleasure. It's just like, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Like, 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 like Jamaica is one of the only places in the world where McDonald's didn't work because they, they, they just couldn't market them to, to like it. They, they just didn't like it, you know? Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, and, and, and so like, I've kind of got got off topic a bit, but but what I'm trying to say is like there's there is a real reason why the DNA is related because it's all just one thing, and everybody, you know, if you become some massive crossover star like Shaggy, like they still like they still like are proud of you. Do you know what I mean? Um, mm. uh, and, and and Sam, just touching on um, your point, you said you were like one years old when the album came out, so you wouldn't have heard it at the time. I I, I admit, I, I never I never heard the album at the time what what year did you say it came came out 95 uh, it's 95 yeah, yeah yeah i mean i i was bro i was i was listening to like mc hammer or, or like what was i listening to like uh uh you know pj and duncan or <laughs> whatever like you know that, that that that's what i was listening yeah. to at the time so it's not like I, I i didn't pick up on the album i i i discovered it in the noughties i mean i i knew a couple of songs of it already of course but it's like mm. it's the same thing with Nazil Matic. It's like you know, someone tells you a record is a classic. You go back and you find out why it's a classic. And some of them, you know, become albums that you you love forever. And and I think that's for me. That's why for me, it's all about every album that I approach. I just approach it with that level in mind, rather than just like being an album of the moment. It's 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 you know, I'm I'm thinking about if someone wants to come back in 10 years and see a snapshot of life, they come to one of my records, you know, so. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, I think, you know, that it is definitely, you know, I, I still will put on some of that kind of, you know, like as Sam, I think will attest to, I talk about that kind of 90s pop reggae revival thing quite a lot, yeah. don't I? Maybe probably yeah. more, oh, more, yeah, yeah, yeah. more than <laughs> more than most people would probably admit to, to be honest, because they like say- You're getting a tweet from Pop Collaborating. I am, yeah, man, I am definitely, definitely. going to be getting that. <laughs> and, you know, and I'll be like, oh no, no, Bitty McLean is fucking, that's Clark, that's Shy Guy by Diana King. <laughs> oh, mate. Absolute banger. That, I mean, that, that is, uh, no guilt attached to that whatsoever. That yeah. is a huge tune. But like, I fucking loved all that stuff. So when I hear this, I'm like, oh, it's a little bit dirtier. Yeah. It's a little mm. bit kind of more rough around the edges and it feels a little bit more, I don't know, it feels a bit more dangerous. It feels a little bit less interested in appealing to a grand amount of people. And yet, it sold half a million copies in the US. Like, it went mm. gold in the US. Like, yeah. And that's funny because it kind of surprised me because I never really considered that this style would fly that much in the United States. I mean, I, 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 I just... I don't know. I don't think of the the US and go, oh yeah, they'll be banging to reggae. But I guess maybe they are. I don't know. 
Yeah, no, but Budgie Banton's a, a, a massive artist. He he's like mm. he, he he went to he went to prison. I, I ironically this is quite relatively recently, but ironically for um I think they, they, they kinda caught him trying to set up a coke deal, which was kind of like yeah mad considering like on this album he he's like really against powder and cocaine and stuff so i mean i'm not i'm not saying he was guilty or whatever i'm just saying that that's what happened but then like when when he gets let out of prison i think he went to prison in america and then i I, i'm not necessarily right but like and he, he comes back to jamaica and it's like it's like a prophet has arrived at the airport like the airport is like locked down like people are like like praying in the airport like like rushing the car that he's in is you know he's like he's like a massive massive star he's been on like the last two dj khaled records albums Mm. and stuff like so he is he is a massive star and he's known in america like like i guess if you're into like rap music or whatever and you want to like mention a reggae artist that maybe isn't, you know, you don't want to say Sean Paul or something. Buju Banton might be one of the ones that you draw for, you know, alongside, you know, um, I, I, I don't know, like, uh, uh, even Beanie Man is more, Beanie Man is maybe seen as a bit more commercial, you know, mm. um, or Elephant Man or whatever. But, you know, like, so he, he is, he's not like, He's he's a big artist. I I think comparing him to Nas is a good one, where it's like yeah, you know, like Nas is a massive artist, but he's not as big as Jay Z. If you see what I'm saying, mm. yeah. yeah, no, yeah, yeah, I get sure. that. Yeah, he was actually according to his Wikipedia page. Um, yeah, he was released on the seventh of December two thousand eighteen from McRae Correctional Institution. Uh, found not guilty on the charge of attempted possession of five kilograms or more of cocaine. Yeah, yeah. But then was sentenced to ten years uh, for the pr- for in federal prison for cocaine trafficking and uh, a firearms conviction as well. So you know, yeah, like who I don't know, I don't know about this. I think the interesting other thing, like you you touched on it a minute ago, Dave, when we started talking about this, he signed the Reggae Compassion Act in two thousand seven, which is there to mm. highlight the kind of homophobic um, lyrics of some reggae. He got in trouble. I think he's actually yeah, taken. Yeah. Boom Bye Bye is the song yeah, that yeah, he, yeah, yeah. got brought up. And he's taken that in 2019. He took that off streaming services. And um, he actually said, he issued a statement saying, in recent days, there's been a great deal of press coverage about the song Boom Bye Bye from my past, which I long ago stopped performing and removed from any platform that I control or have influence over. I recognise that the song has caused much pain to listeners as well as to my fans, my family and myself. After all the adversity we've been through, I'm determined to put this song in the past and continue moving forward as an artist and a man. I affirm once and for all that everyone has a right to live as they so choose. In the words of the great Dennis Brown, love and hate can never be friends. I welcome everyone to my shows in the spirit of peace and love. Please come join me in that same spirit, which is, you know, always good. I'm I'm not in the, the business of cancelling musicians for their like seemingly unsavory views and stuff, but I do like it when you see an artist like that come forward and go, hey, you know what, a little while ago, I might have said some things and actually that's not cool. So like, sorry about that. And this is what I think now. That's good to see, man. I think it's really yeah, great. Yeah. I think I think like homophobia in Jamaican music is quite interesting. I mean, what the, I, don't, I don't think we should get into like, 
because like the reason for like the the levels of homophobia in Jamaica is like a deeper thing. It's like wrapped up in like mm. colonial stuff and like how Christianity mm. was pushed. It's quite deep. But part of the reason why there's so many big like homophobic tunes that have come out of the dance hall was because music was seen as a place where gay people could hide. And so they start like, so every artist was under suspicion basically. And so they would start, they started making these records to, sh to show like, almost like, nah, like I, I'm against this stuff as well, kind of thing. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, wow, okay. that, that's, that's a big part of it. And, and you know, do you know one of the most bizarre situations I ever ended up in? Um, I think it was like maybe the second or third time I was in a gay club in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like this night, yeah. I don't know if you ever heard of this night. It was called Homosexual, right? So it was like a rap, rap night like a uh, I think it was a it was in Vauxhall somewhere right and they had a they had a a reggae room like a smaller room and uh they're just playing straight dance hall and it's just like gay brothers in there right just getting down right yeah. and suddenly the DJ just starts going for all the homophobic tunes right and people are going crazy in the room it's like a room full of gay people wheeling up the tunes. It was insane. Like it was what it was almost like they were claiming the moment. Yeah. And like, mm. it, almost like, cause it was like, it was, I couldn't really, I, I, I'm still trying to put my, my finger on what it was. It was almost like, you know, like sometimes you hear something that's so wrong that it, it, it elicits a response in you that is like, or maybe they were just like claiming, I don't know, but it was just like one of the most bizarre things. I was just kind of standing there like, well, what do I do? <laughs> like, <what? laughs> That's mad, wow. <laughs> you know, cause wow. I, I, as a DJ, I've always, any record like that, I, you know, when I was DJing, I, I would never, cause I just, I never want, you know, even one person in the room to feel like, 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 like uh, they don't belong there. So I, I would yeah. always avoid those records, but that was, that was an insane experience for me that, that day. That's crazy. I didn't, I, I mean, I have to admit, I didn't know any, like all the stuff you just said about the sort of the, the roots of it and stuff. I I wasn't aware of that. I was aware that yeah, there yeah. was sort of famously, you know, quite a lot of homophobic language used in a lot of reggae songs from over the years, but kind of why yeah. and where and how, and what that came from and the reasons for that, mm. I'm not aware of. That is a conversation for another day. If we had more time, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would definitely. love to go into that, but <laughs> we don't. But anyway, Bougie Banton, yeah, Bougie Banton's cool. And, um, and Till Shiloh, I believe that's how you say it, is, uh, is a cracking, is a cracking record. You should go and listen to that if you haven't listened to it. If you're mm. one of our listeners mm. who's pure, metal then um you need to chill out <laughs> if you only listen that. to a now that's right yeah um let's move on to the next record and it is from woo life again i think i'm i'm pretty sure i'm saying that right yeah, go yeah, tell yeah. fire to the mountain the sole album from the cult quote-unquote heavy pop bands released on the 13th of june 2011 now i do remember this the hype surrounding this band from back in the day was pretty mental they were hot for a, mm. for a minute but they split up pretty soon after this record came out i remember listening to bits and bobs of it but i haven't listened to this record in ages it's an unusual record um dave 
talk to me about this record and, and why you picked it. I think this is a certainly an odd one. Yeah, I think for me, there's two reasons why I picked it. I think because at that time, I was living in Manchester um, and uh, I remember the hype. I mean, there was a lot of hate for them as well, like in the city, because I think they had kind of like successfully clocked something that a lot of bands hadn't clocked in Manchester. And so there was a lot of backlash, I remember. Um, but I, uh, after a while, I became friends with Ellery, who's the singer. And um, yeah, it was just interesting because the part of the part of the way that they were um, presenting themselves as this kind of like collective, I didn't realize had been inspired. I, I, I had a crew called Murkish Cartel at the time that was part of my club night. And they had been inspired by like kind of like that kind of group thing to kind of like make it, even though they were a band, they like made it look like it was a crew, you know. Um, so there was that, and then and 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 we um we started um we were gonna do like a uh like this kind of like uh, uh like some kind of rooftop uh, uh like a kind of like a mini festival in the northern quarter together, like you know like this clashing of worlds you know like I, I think like dubstep was ringing off at the time mm. grime revival blah 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 baseline but then like they were gonna play you know do their like kind of indie heavy pop stuff there and it was gonna be mad but then the the enemy got hold of it and started posting about it and so we had to kind of like because it was gonna be like it was gonna get like really dangerous basically so we had to kind of like lock it off so th so there's th there's that kind of side of it where I was kind of like around for it but then also, I think looking back now, away from the hype, it just, I don't know, it has this kind of like, I, I, I love this record and it's, 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 um, it's some, somehow it feels like a religious record to me, even though it's not. Um, and I, you know, I love Ellery's voice. I mean, I mean, he has another band now uh, called Lost Under Heaven. Uh, with his missus and, and and it's really good i think fans of woo life would like that band as well it's it's it, but it's a, it's more it's different it's not it's not the same um but um yeah it's just one of those records that is of a time but also has stayed with me and uh and lives with me and kind of like continues to influence me after you know sam i reckon you're gonna really like this record you reckon right steve uh this is my favorite thing we're talking about this week personally uh it was certainly in terms of stuff i haven't heard because obviously there is an album at the end that has got some timeless classics um this is absolutely not me for six like if i thought i liked jasmine sullivan and bougie banton i mean this is a bit of me i mean um i think you're absolutely right dave about it kind of having that sort of religious quality to it even though it's not a religious album um i noticed that in the search for a studio they ended up recording in in a church within greater manchester right, 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 um, right. i can't recall the one because they said it just gave the right kind of warm reverb on the production that you couldn't really artificially recreate and they really wanted that particularly for um ellery james's um or ellery james roberts sorry um vocals and organ playing um it's been a long time since I've heard an album with a predominant organ mm. kind of at the centre of it, but um, it's absolutely incredible. I think it, 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 
it makes for some incredible soundscapes. And one of the things that was really flawed by in this was the, the wall of noise production that is so enveloping. It's almost suffocating at times. And then you get the little breaks in a song like um, Spitting Blood, which I think is the first point where there's a, a slight cleanliness to the production where the vocals really pop through. And I actually felt like there was a, a vocalist there rather than a kind of another percussive force popping through the track. Um, I think this is absolutely amazing. I think Ellery James uh, Roberts' performance is undeniable, undeniable across the album. I feel like th- from kind of doing a bit of reading around the artists uh, who made up We Life and then the subsequent projects, seems like he m- might have been a bit of a mastermind behind it. But to be honest, I think the thing that really hooks me across this album, because it is a really densely layered um quite difficult to grasp at times like it's not very hooky but the thing that really kept me hooked in was um joe manning's percussion i mean you were talking at the top of the show about really admiring the percussion in kind of extreme metal and like you know really technically proficient drumming i think joe manning plays an absolute blinder on this there are so many songs um i think uh 14 crowns uh for me and your friends the constant build that he just keeps so regimented um and then in Dirt, that really heavy, just nasty drum tone. Um, I mean, that's a bit of me, you know, says the man in a Godflesh shirt, <laughs> yeah. uh, hoodie even. But um, I mean, yeah, this one I think I need to spend a lot more time with, but I already absolutely adore it. I think this is incredible. And it goes from such beautiful uh, kind of, you know, I was saying, um, Buju Banton had moments of kind of elegiac beauty. I mean, you get a song like Such a Sad Puppy Dog. It's like, that is gorgeous but so mournful and sorrowful at the same time and the same with summer's bliss which i think follows on but kind of in- incorporates the more dancey feel of a song like cave song yeah this is this is smashing wow. sweet i mean yeah i i think this is great i mean i do remember bits and bobs of them from the time and i think i i didn't really know what they were and going back to listen to this record now i still don't really know what type of music this is do you know what I mean? I, no, I, 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 I couldn't put my finger on it because it's like it is indie, but then it's also got, you know, kind of all these other elements to it. I, I think and, and the indie only really, I think, comes from the kind of the lightly strummed and sort of really warm guitars and then the shuffling drum patterns you get in certain songs. Yeah, his voice is just totally unique. It's really rare to hear a band mm. and be like, oh, that voice could only be that person, you know, particularly in indie rock and guitar music and stuff where you know most people have done a variant on that type of thing but his voice on this record feels like such a brilliant juxtaposition to these like that it's almost a sort of he's not screaming he's not he's not doing a sort of you know a napalm but it's raspy isn't it yeah but it it feels so kind of like guttural and caveman-y mm. but also still like it it's almost like he's speaking in tongues or something. like it, it's like mm. it's coming from somewhere else and the music is often it can be really delicate and it can be but it can be like say like quite pummeling and pounding and i like i mean for me that the last track the song heavy pop i think is just the perfect kind of exclamation mark to close this record out it's um mm it's such a sort of it's such a barrage a bombardment of all this different stuff and you just go i i don't know what this is i mean i think you probably like it a bit more than me to be honest sam because you seem to absolutely love it i absolutely love yeah, it yeah I, definitely. I i think it's good i think it's really really good i think it's kind of odd i maybe haven't listened to it enough mm. times to be able to really feel like i know exactly what's going on 
Um, because I mean, I said that the Jasmine Sullivan album was dense, but that had hooks and shit all over. You know, that did eventually. That, that, those hooks make themselves known to you fairly quickly. This is mm. this is quite the undertaking. I think this record, and I don't quite feel like I know exactly what's going on. Do you know what I mean? I think, yeah. like, Dave, if you've had it for ten years, you probably are now like it's sort of become something where you know exactly what it is. Do you feel like you know what this is? No, I still don't know. I mean, I. I, I, I <laughs> I think the closest thing I would file it next to, which is not even like, it doesn't even sound like it at all, is like maybe like Young Fathers where you don't know quite what genre that is either. But but I, I wouldn't say it sounds anything like that. It's, um, I don't know, it, it kind of, it's like, it's like if, uh, if, if like Bruce Springsteen fell down into some kind of like vortex, you know, into like another planet you know, like another uh, another reality, <laughs> you know, I don't know. There's no way of kind of, yeah. It's But it's, it's just, I, I just, yeah, it's a great record. It's hard to put a pinpoint on, isn't it? And um, it's funny, you know, you're saying, Steve, um, that, uh, yeah, Jasmine Hull- uh, Sullivan's record is really, really dense. And then there's this that is bas- pretty impenetrable at times. And I think it's funny for someone like me who doesn't really have much experience with uh, the majority of the stuff that we're talking about this week kind of from a genre perspective or any sort of historical background um but the the last genre that i'd say that i really got into prior to doing this that i got heavily into was noise rock and so i think for me this is probably the easiest one to grasp because it's the most relatable to stuff that i've already listened to right. uh, whereas a Bougie Bantam record, I've never heard anything like it for an extended period of time. You know, I've heard mm. tracks here and there. And the same with Jasmine Sullivan. I've not really delved into that kind of music before. So, yeah, it's an interesting one. Noise Rock fans, check this out and everyone else as well because it's amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely worth checking out because it's so rare to hear something where you go, what is this? What is this? Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's so rare in, in 2022 to, to put a record in and go, God, this doesn't sound like anything I've ever heard before, really. And yet this this is really, really unique. And I think back in the day when, you know, they were getting, like you said, I think the enemy picked up on them and Pitchfork were very kind of um, uh, sort of generous to them as well. And that back in 2011, for me, would have made me go, oh, God, and I would have been hmm. quite snotty about it. And I would have been a bit snobby about it. Whereas now, 10 years down the line, whatever, 11 years down the line, hearing music like this i am like oh yeah fully deserving of the hype because so wonderfully bizarre and unique and like you say like it does exist in this vortex where there are definitely songs on this but they're songs that are warped and manipulated into these forms that i don't quite recognize and it's sort of it's exciting and exhilarating but also a little terrifying at the same time this record (laughs) that's sort of how i feel about it do you know what i mean (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's what I think. Um, I'm glad you like it though, Sam. I'm glad you're absolutely in love with it. It scared me a little bit at points, but it's yeah, good. Yeah, well, I, I like that because I hate fun. What's the opposite of fun? Uh, Terror, uh, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah ex- exactly. Uh, go Tell Fire to the Mountain by Woo Life. That is Dave's pick. Let's get, we've got two more left. Um, Mr. Hudson, A Tale of Two Cities. So this is the debut album from the Birmingham-based solo artist, although this was released under the banner of Mr. Hudson and the Library on the 5th of March, 2007. Um, I don't really know much about Mr. Hudson, I've got to be honest. I know he got signed by Kanye West and he worked with Duran Duran, so, you know, I'm sure he won't be too fussed whatever I think of him either way. (laughs) Um, But Dave, uh, talk to us about Mr. Hudson and why you picked this album. 
Yeah, I, w- I was going to pick. I mean, you know, you know, I always, you know, I always talk about how much like I love Craig David and like Born to Do album was like really influential on me. But then I thought actually this, in terms of my, my songwriting, like the way that I write, I would say that this album is so influential and it never, re- I mean, everybody that knows this album loves it, but it never gets spoken about as one of those records. I think when people think of Mr. Hudson, they think of the stuff he did with Kanye and Jay-Z and um, also that kind of, uh, that that record, that, which is not his best, but the one that he did with um, N-Dubs, you know, which was kind of fun. But, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, 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 but actually this album <coughs> is, uh, okay, we've spoken about like the enemy right a, a bit today and i do think you know and I, I i i did i did a couple of things with the enemy in, in the noughties and they, they were cool and stuff this is when they were like an online publication but I, I i do think you know like you know i was always getting blues and soul and touch magazine but i used to buy enemy as well and i think looking back there was this weird thing because they they the enemy really hated him they really hate or, or them they, they really hated Mr. Hudson and the library um, and I think that that had a lasting impact on no but before I get into that I, I do and I, I, I'd be interested to see your your thoughts on this that there is this th- there was this thing right in the enemy where firstly anything that was kind of like smooth or like R&B they just immediately said was shit uh, but but also, I I I felt that like, the you know there was this kind of like hypocrisy where like you kind of had like middle class, <clears throat> middle class white guys writing about middle class white guys making music right that were presenting as if they were working class, but then like if a if a guy ever just came, I think with Mister Hudson he was just like I'm middle class like what. And I feel like there was a t- there was a kind of guy that always used to get hate from that section of like journalists. It'd be like Mr. Hudson, Mark Ronson, um, like Chris Martin, and and these guys they always ended up finding like a home more with like these massive Black American artists who were just like, oh, you're posh, you're good at music, cool, let let's let's get it cracking. But there was always this thing in in uh, in uh, the UK where it was almost like for the journalists they were kind of like looking in the mirror and it kind of like panicked them. So there's like, oh, let me just let's talk about the Gallagher brothers again or whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? It was just like <laughs> it's just kind of like yeah. I didn't really, I never, and, and as you know, as for me, I I wasn't it. I used to buy the enemy all the time, but that wasn't. I was like an outsider, so I was. I just find it a bit strange. And but I do think that 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 they were always hating on him. It had a lasting impact on how he uh, was perceived in this country versus America. But actually, for me, this is such a well-written record. Again, a a snapshot of a time. You know, like a song like Cover Girl, it's just, I, I was listening to this record yesterday. Cover Girl is one of the best 
it's just a, such a good song. And, and, that, and that's what got Kanye's attention. He said, look, man, this is a really well-crafted song. You've got to get a bit more knock with the drums. But, you know. And, and, and again, I guess I am, I am biased because I ended up, I ended up becoming friends with the band. I'm, I'm, I'm literally that fan that fell onto the stage, like, in, in like, that's, that's all I am. Like, that's how I've become an artist. I just love music so much. And I wasn't like a weird fan. So like, you know, you could kind of hang out with me or whatever. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, um, I'm interested to see what you guys think of this record. But I, I, will, I will say firstly that it is a massive influence on me as an artist. I think it's a hugely underrated British record in terms of like, again, like, cross genre i think if it if it came out now it would be like a whole different thing and um i just think whatever people think about him or or it i i think that this album should get another look and another consideration because i mean the people that know that it's sick know that it's sick but i think it should be it should be more elevated in the conversation of like great british albums of this century basically mm, it's interesting um, on your first point about the NME, I mean, speaking as someone who in 2007 would have been a massive metal punk fan, I certainly saw the the narrow corridors of the NME being like, I mean, I probably wouldn't have paid as much attention to it on the flip side of like soul and R&B as much, yeah. but certainly the way they reviewed metal and rock and things that weren't sort of Camden skinny jeans music i was like you're supposed to be a music magazine yeah but you're not really you're an indie magazine is what you are you're an indie mm. magazine who kind of sneer at other genres that's that was yeah. always my opinion of the enemy yeah, from that yeah, period yeah. so i can see why that would have been the case this record itself i can totally see how this record maybe more than any of the other records i can like I listen to it and I go, obviously that is a big influence on you as an artist. I can hear it. I can sort mm. of see it. I can hear it. I'm going to say right now, for me, your record is much better than this record. I think. I fully agree with that. Yeah. Fully agree with that. I, I, well, I'm, I'm not just saying that. I genuinely think that your latest record is superior in almost every way to this record. And I'll tell what? you for why. Okay, go on. Yeah. I'll tell you for why. No, no, God. I'll tell you for why. Because for me, I don't think this is a bad record at all, but I think it is, it goes, it's definitely a product of its time and it's of, of its environment. Um, it's a, it's a, a time and an environment which I probably am less sort of personally interested in. I think it occasionally strays into some of the tropes of mid 2000s indie music that I, that was a massive turn off for me. And I think the interesting thing about that whole scene was that, and me and Sam have said it before, some of those artists from the mid 2000s that got big in indie and got big in kind of um, guitar music, I, I thought were, were awful. I thought it was a really bad time, but there were enough, you mentioned Block Party earlier on, there were enough mm. who were great. There were a few who were, were really, really great. And I think occasionally this record, not even occasionally, I think often this record can sit and can hang with with those great artists from that era. But occasionally I feel like it drops into some of the tropes from that time. 
and I'm not sure coming to it for the first time in 2022 I'm not sure that all of it has aged as well I think at the time you would have heard it and gone oh yeah 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 but I think some bits of it have actually not aged that well because they just remind me of some of the stuff that I really really didn't like from that era do you know what I mean no that's that's fair enough and it's a big compliment to say that you think that my album's better because obviously I'm going to be very reverential of you know I, I think you know for me it it's quite interesting because like this album is a reflection of a time that yeah. and I, I really enjoyed that time so for, so it, it kind of makes sense for you it's a reflection of stuff that you didn't like of, of that time so that does that does make sense and in a way like yeah like for me my stuff is like a 2.0 or a 3.0 of of this but i would i would never say myself that it's better because i'm just very reverential of of <coughs> of mr hudson and and of this album but it was cool like when that when the album did come out i remember him texting me and saying i'm walking through paris right now i've just done a blah 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 and um I'm listening to your album, the sun's out and it's, it's, it's beautiful. And that was like amazing for me, you know, to, to kind of like someone who really influenced me to kind of like say that. So it kind of, yeah, that, that kind of fits in with, 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 with what you're saying to some degree, but I would, I would never, I would never say that I'm, I'm better myself, you know, that's, that's up to other people, you know? Yeah. Well, we're, we're definitely happy to, uh, I mean, to be honest, to in terms it, of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, in terms of, kind of my take on the album it's essentially exactly the same as steve's um i think the only thing you need to do is sort of move the parameters of the the kind of indie i don't like about five years <laughs> later. Uh, as as i have covered as i've covered before you know it was kind of when i was in secondary school the 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 bands were all the rage and i really took against it and you know i ended up sort of retreating into metallica and rammstein and stuff like that um and i just i, I there is something about this album that I think musically it's really, really impressive all the way through. Um, and actually for me, this is the one where I was referring to a kind of an artist whose you know name is the banner of it. Um, I personally find Mr. Hudson's vocal performance to be um, my least favourite part of this album. I think he is the least engaging bit of his own album to me. Um, I think uh, on, uh, on a song like One Specific Thing, I think his performance comes across as quite bland against um, Joy Josis, which I think is absolutely beautiful. Um, and then I found it interesting to look at the band after this, where the library was sort of dropped from the title and they were considered the backing band, whereas to me it feels like it kind of should have been the other way around. But um, I definitely don't dislike this album either. It is a time and place that I don't really gravitate towards. But the thing that I did really pick up on it is that kinch, kitchen sink realist poetry that I really hearing your music particularly something like um don't move to london it's a trap mm. i think that was one where i could hear a lineage between the two records yeah. um and you know i think again it's just, it's part of the puzzle that makes up your music in such an eclectic way as we're covering through these records but this would be my this is the one i'm least likely to go yeah. back to personally yeah sam i i didn't especially from like seeing how you spoke about the other records i didn't expect you to like <laughs> like this one at all to, to be honest. <laughs> sorry but, yeah but, but i think that point that you're making about uh you know like limitations as a vocalist I mean, I, 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 you know, I mean, you know, I, I feel like that. A, 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 oh, hang on a minute. Sorry, I've, 
yeah, I've had to. Um, do you mind if I if I turn this sideways? Yeah, yeah, sure. Is that, is that gonna throw no, you off? No, not at all, mate. I, I need to charge. No, no, don't worry. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. It's absolutely fine, man. Don't worry. I was gonna say that, like something about, um, you know, like you know, I'm, I'm a good singer, but you know, like I'm not. But but I, I guess like, you know, sometimes people try and call me R and B or whatever. But then like an R an R and B singer would be like, can this guy really hang with us? Like I don't know. So I think mm. I always feel that slight insecurity, and so I think that pushes me songwriting wise and and that and that's what i loved about like jasmine sullivan that she still pushed herself even though she is the best singer on the planet and uh so mm. yeah i would say that like maybe i was inspired by that as well you know just like a, a normal sounding person who uh writes really kind of beautiful kind of poetic songs and 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 mm. it, it to defend my guy a bit here as well right the stuff that he did after, like There Will Be Tears. Do you know that song, There Will Be Tears? Uh, that no, he I might that, have come across that was it. On, I can't say Okay, go like on, because his, his second album, I prefer the first one with the library, but the second album, the high points are really high. Go and listen to mm. There Will Be Tears, right? Like Frank Ocean covered that song, right? And also that song was a big part of the DNA of the Kanye 808s and Heartbreaks album. They, the, you know, like, and, and that's a record that Mr. Hudson worked on a lot. He's got a lot of writing credits on that album. Mm. So I think, you know, there's something that Kanye saw there. There's something that Jay-Z saw there. And um, yeah, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep fighting for my guy, man. No, I'm man, you should. Fighting. And you absolutely should. You absolutely should. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Look, I mean, look, the thing is, is that this is, like you say, Sam, like, like Sam said, I don't think this is a bad album. I think when this album is good, no, no. it's good. It's just like, uh, no record can be sort of, I mean, you know, when I spoke about the Bougie Banton record, oh, it reminds me of 1995. It reminds me of listening to reggae in 1995. Yeah, That's yeah. a great memory for me. Listening to the fucking Kooks in 2007 is not a great memory. And Razor, <laughs> okay, like, that right, is not right, a great right, memory right, for right. me. Do you know but what I mean? I love, so, do you know what it is? Yeah, I love them. I, there's a video yeah. of me, like, I, yeah, I, 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 like, yeah I, obviously I know it's kind of like, it's like a fun thing, but like, I, there's a video of me and my mate Scully, right? It's on, uh, it's on TikTok and, uh, and Instagram and stuff. It, it kind of went like semi like viral. It's like these two black guys at a Kooks, concert having the best time ever <laughs> but but like I, I i i get i guess like i love all of that shit like like yeah it's embarrassing to say you like razor light but like i actually quite like razor light do you know what i mean I, obviously i know like fair you, enough you, man you should say you like the libertines instead but razor light had some tunes so i guess <laughs> like it's just like i guess do you know what it is i think for me my that period was where like I never listened to guitar music really. And that period was where I kind of like started, like I got a bridge into guitar music. And then I obviously like went back and started listening to the stuff that actually was influencing all these guys and was like better, you know. But um, but I guess I have, I guess like I have a fondness for that era where you have a distaste. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, I, and you know, like that being said, you know, like I, I love I. You know there are bands from that era: Block Party, Maximo Park, yeah. Future Heads, Art Brute, yeah, yeah. 
you know the, the early killers like you know i love all that shit and yeah i was into um, that as well and and you know even you mentioned Mark Ronson. I mean that, that first Mark Ronson album, I thought it was excellent. Like he's a great producer, and like Sam says, the songs on here and you know the songwriting and the performances and stuff are all mm. are all good. It's just something about the actual makeup of that. I don't know. I've got something has been embedded in me from that period that every time I hear that kind of ordinary boys, um, <laughs> you can't first. Well, you can't first you ordinary boys. <laughs> You can't put it with the ordinary boys, bro. That's a disrespect. First ordinary boys album that is, is good, a man. Disrespect. The first, <laughs> first ordinary, oh no. first ordinary boys album. Uh, the is end good. of True Cold No, mate. First, I'm, I, I, I actually, I quite like the first ordinary boys album. I think it's got some quite good songs in it. But I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. But it's just the the overall kind of oeuvre of that thing. As soon as I hear shit like that, I just yeah. go. Ooh. Reminds yeah. me of like seeing fucking, I don't know. Pete Doherty on the front of the enemy every yeah, yeah, week yeah. for 10 yeah, yeah, years yeah, yeah, and then yeah. they turn around telling me that Opeth are rubbish come on like yeah, it was, anyway it was insane <laughs> but but they they at the end at the end of the day the enemy they they wrote their own uh, death certificate with that because they missed so much stuff that was coming through they basically didn't understand what was happening with dubstep and so they they ended up missing you know uh James Blake and burial and all this stuff that was like which which was the new indie but but basically if yeah. you weren't if you weren't playing your guitar and pretending that you like were like on a council estate you basically didn't get the time of day and so like they just they just lost the zeitgeist across the noughties uh as a as a result so it's their own fault really you know yeah it is it's a really good point it is yeah. a good point anyway um mr hudson of Tell of two cities check it out I think yeah. there'll be people listening. Yeah. I think there'll be people yeah, listening give it a listen. who will be sticking up for you. I think there will be people listening who'll be like, "I'm on, I'm on Dave's side more than I'm on the other two side." I'm sure there will be. But for me, you know, it's I. It's my least favorite of the five. No, definitely. no, no. Fair play, fair play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would look, I'd just like to say before we go on to the next album, um, my, my sort of criticism of Mr. Hudson himself's performance. Um, you talking about kind of the insecurities uh, in in vocal ability yeah, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, and and sort of uh, acting to your strengths. I really like that. Uh, quite a lot of my favourite vocalists, I would say, are not necessarily technically massively mm, gifted, mm, mm. but it's the way they inhabit and kind of encapsulate characters that really speaks to me. And I think that's what this era of music, not specifically Mr. Hudson, but this era of music that I don't gravitate towards. I think that's what it misses for me. I feel that. Even when they are doing like playing rough on a council estate, even though you know they can go back to their you know quite comfortable homes or whatever, I don't I don't buy it. I think that's I think that's the crux of it for me. And you saying about kind of enjoying uh, kind of artists who embrace their limitations, perhaps um, I I like that as well. And I don't think the this sect of artists quite hit the money for me. But that's what. I, but I think we're about. Yeah, go on. Oh, sorry, go on. But that's what I liked about him is that he didn't pretend that he was on the council estate. He was just like wearing a cricket jumper. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And he was like, "Yeah, I went to yeah. Cambridge." Like what? He he kind of owned <laughs> it, <laughs> which I which I kind of mm. liked. I respected. You know. I think that's totally fair, and yeah, fair play to him for actually having the balls to do it. And as you say, kind of at the detriment of being picked up by the enemy yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, on their first album, when when they could have just easily rode along the kind of the crest of the wave. Yeah, um, yeah so fair play. I'm sorry, I don't like his no, music. No, no, fair, it sounds no, all fair right, play. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, all right. But I was going to say, well, let, on the subject of artists who do have character and personality. Oh well, yeah, let's the, let's move on to your final <laughs> record, and I think people will have heard of this one. Um, <laughs> yes. 
It's Dangerous by Michael Jackson, the eighth studio album from the King of Pop, released on the 26th of November, 1991. I'm pretty sure some of you have heard of this record. I'm not going to list all of the achievements of this record because we've been here for fucking two hours already. But I will say this. It has sold a whopping 32 million copies worldwide, which is not bad for your fifth best album. Um, (laughs) so uh, it's not bad so Dave I mean off you go Michael Jackson I mean do we want to get where do you start do we want to get the elephant in the room out of the way or or I was going to say that I was going to say that till last but let's go like you clearly you feel comfortable as you should um, because you I hate policing what people listen to on any level Mm -hmm. and if you want to listen to Michael Jackson you should listen to Michael Jackson. Yeah. But you feel comfortable with coming on here and being like, yes, Michael Jackson, um, well, despite you, all the things, he's, you asked here me, he is. You, you asked me like five albums that really influenced me. And yep. I mean, man, like, you know, I couldn't, th- this this was was always going to be a heavy contender. Um, yeah, you know, he, he, he probably did do some wrong in his life. Like I'm not one of those fans who like, um, kind of like, you know, says, oh, he, you know, he's, it's a conspiracy, he's innocent, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm, I'm open to accepting that he did. You know, there's, there's a book, actually, you know, I'm gonna find the, 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 the book, uh, I forgot the name of it, but it's a very short book. But, um, sorry, I've done a bit of a madness with my thing there. Um, Sorry. like, but but, <laughs> no but about about his life and how he ended up that way and stuff. And I'm not trying to make excuses for the guy, you know. But um, yeah, you know, he 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 probably did some wrong. Um, but he, you know, he did a lot of good and he made a lot of incredible records. And and in 1991, I didn't know that he was potentially a nonce. So you know, I was rocking. But um, like um. What, what what will I say? I think there's two things. I think when I listen to your review of um, my album, I think you mentioned that lyric where I say, say, are you talking about Michael Jackson? Are you talking about Winston Churchill? Did, was that, that was you, right? I was, I was going to bring that, yeah, I that was, was specifically yeah. going to bring that up in a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think that, um, that was actually a conversation. It's funny. It's a conversation that I, I had with, um, with Mike Skinner actually, and we were talking about it was again during the the height of the Black Lives Matter, uh, you know, focus and like the protests, and, and, and you know, like when Churchill's statue got daubed up, and there was all this, no, no one was talking about getting rid of Churchill's statue really, uh, but um, you know, everybody was, and then the, the EDL came down and were trying to protect Churchill's statue and stuff. And I was talking to Mike about it because he's super into like wartime Britain and stuff like that. And and um, he was going, he was going, man. Like I hope that you know, like I hope they don't get rid of the 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 um, Winston Churchill uh, statue. But if they do, fair play. I mean, look at what we did to Michael Jackson. And it it, it kind of like just hit me. I was like, oh shit! Like you know, Winston Churchill, he's definitely done a lot more wrong like he 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 starved millions of people he like literally you know he he his his world view was closer to hitler 
than people want to really talk about. Like he, he committed so many atrocities, but he was also a great man and a great Briton who people love and who is very well connected to um, like British identity for a lot of people. And I think that that's what kind of Michael Jackson is, definitely for black Americans, but I think for, uh, I think like black music fans worldwide, it's that same thing where like, you just have this kind of like, or like for some people, like Elvis, no one really talks about Elvis marrying a child, you know, like uh, David Bowie, like mm. there's some really sus shit out there that no one really wants to talk about. And I, th I think there is that thing of like, um, I think we need to get to a place. It's a really interesting time, where, where, you know, all these conversations around cancel culture and stuff. And I think it needs to be like a personal decision it's like, okay, does the good this person has done outweigh the bad for you personally? And it shouldn't be a group decision. I think it should be an individual decision. So for instance, I still listen to Morrissey. Like, I think Morrissey's a prick, yeah? But like, I, 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 I still yeah. love the Smiths and I'm not gonna stop listening to him. But then I, I don't fuck with Eric Clapton on any level because of mm. the shit that he said. I just felt, felt that that was like, like deeply disrespectful. So, but but then like he's I don't not as good as the Smiths either, is he? Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> not, not as but, good a guitarist. But also, like, so I I don't listen to R. Kelly, right? Because I just think he's still alive, and like he's like he he needed therapy, not fame. But it is what it is. He's like he is who he is. But I can't listen to his music anymore because a lot of it, it just it just it's about. The, the women that he was doing the stuff to. So I can't mm. listen. But then I've got like one of my best mates. He like, just like blazes R. Kelly all day. And then, but so it's like, I think it's a personal decision is is what I'm saying. And so that's, that's, that's kind of where I think we want to get to. It's like, uh, you know, we can't just like cancel Winston Churchill, but he was a horrible bastard. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I feel mm. like that's where I, I kind of am at with, Michael Jackson as well. I just wish, I, I, it's like, it's like, it's just such a conflicting thing for me because I just wish that he, but then had he had a different life and ended up as a different person, he probably wouldn't have pushed himself to be the greatest pop star of all time. So it's just like, it's just this mm. messed up thing, you know? And the, I mean, it's interesting you brought up Winston Churchill because here's the thing I think you're right. And here's where the parallel I think is perfect. I've said this a whole bunch of times before. There are certain artists, some of the people you mentioned just a minute ago, Michael Jackson, David Bowie, Elvis Presley. You could chuck John Lennon in there as well if you want. Yeah, you, know, yeah, there yeah, are, yeah. you can chuck all kinds of people in there. For me, Michael Jackson as a human being and Michael Jackson as an artist and as the music and the, the back catalogue that Michael Jackson has made has transcended Michael Jackson as an individual to me. You want to cancel Michael Jackson's music? How? How do you do? You can't do that. The fact that... Yeah. The, what Michael Jackson has done as an artist, solely as an artist, the music he has made, has is so interwoven into the fabric of popular culture as we know it in 2022. You could not get rid of that. You can't. Like I think the the comparison I've made before is like you find out that the bloke who invented bricks is a nonce. What are you gonna, you're going to get rid of bricks? Like, how, how do you yeah. do that? Like yeah, you know, we're not perfect. we're not having bricks anymore. Like we're yeah, not having yeah. bricks anymore. Get rid of all your bricks because these are wrong. And it's like, well, you can't. Like if you get rid of Michael Jackson, you get rid of forty years of pop music. Like yeah. and not mm. just his music, 
everybody's music yeah, everything that every is, single yeah, person yeah, yeah, yeah. like you you've just you know you've picked dangerous as a which we'll get into in a second the actual music and the on the record and whatnot but what like are you not allowed to like we gotta get rid of your music as well because it yeah. wouldn't exist because of michael jackson everybody every the way that videos look like mm. michael jackson the way that people dance routines the way they take michael jackson you can't get rid of Michael Jackson's music. You can't get rid of the art that he created. It is so deeply interwoven into the fabric of popular culture at this point. There wouldn't be anything. Like, Prince, you can't get rid of... Like, there are certain artists you just... You cannot erase the art they made, no matter what yeah. they did. And Michael Jackson is one of those people. Yeah, and you yeah. can turn around and go like, yeah, you're right. He's a weird... He was a weirdo. He's a wrong and Like, who really knows what happened? It sounds fucking horrible. I'm not entirely convinced by the defense. I'm not entirely convinced by, I mean, just the, the the weird life he had. We could also get into the conversations about what did his upbringing do to him that turned into, yeah, yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like it's, there's all kinds of things you can do. The one thing you can't do is just go, right, no one gets to listen. Like we remove Michael Jackson from popular culture. Good luck with that. That isn't going yeah. to happen ever, no matter what comes out about him. It's just not going to happen. Um, Sam, do you want to add anything to that? Um, I don't feel that I can. I really can, to be honest. I suppose the only thing I wanted to say is that, um, Dave, I think your point about it being individual kind of, uh, down to personal kind of responsibility and even a sort of sense of where do you draw your moral line in terms of listening to artists, I think that is absolutely something that both Steve and I totally agree with. That's something we kind of advocate for is, you know, don't get, <laughs> don't start Twitter pylons because someone wants to listen to Pantera, you know. <laughs> Just because Phil Anselmo is a massive racist and stuff. I don't even like that. know like, that. If someone yeah. wants to listen, to yeah. it, oh well, yeah, sorry, he's, sorry to break it. To you. Yeah, he's a wrong gun, yeah. but yeah, but it's like you know, if someone wants to listen to it, that should be their own decision, yeah. and everyone does have a line of where they, where they draw these things. As you say, David Bowie, you know, there are some horrible things that are, you know, all but a hundred percent proven in his back catalogue. I still listen to Low all the time. But then I don't listen to Pantera because I find Phil's actions in a, a different form of kind of despicable thing. So it's like, yeah, I think that is absolutely a fair point. And it does have to be a case-by-case -case basis for every listener. Michael Jackson, you, yeah, you can't you can't ignore the impact of it. It'd be, like John Lennon, it'd be like, if you took away the Beatles, like, what are you going to do? That yeah, is too, basically too many the bangers. Kind of the blueprint for pop music. Too yeah, many exactly. bangers, yeah. man. Sometimes the bangers, the bangers... Yeah, actually, let me just stop talking. I'm just gonna leave it. Yeah, there. no, no, it's fine. So go on. <laughs> don't worry, mate. Um, don't worry. Let's talk about let's. We've done that. I feel like yeah, we can yeah, tick yeah, that yeah, box yeah, off. Yeah. We're all we're all cool <laughs> going forward. It's fine. Here's the thing with this album. I'm going to challenge you on this, Dave. You picked yes. dangerous. That's fine. Here's the thing with this. Off the wall. Ten songs. Forty two minutes. Thriller. Nine songs. Forty two minutes. Bad. Bad for me. Arguably the greatest pop album ever made in okay. history ever. Eleven songs over forty eight minutes. Dangerous. 14 songs over one hour and 17 minutes. That's where Dangerous slightly dips for me. It's a bit that this is an incredible record for most people. But for Michael Jackson, this is, I would say, it is a significant step down from the albums that he'd done prior. But this is why I picked it, right? I think, I think there's a few things there where it's always interesting which one people you know you know i think like deep r&b fans go for off the wall because that's his like and then like that's thrillers the, the like bad i think it depends what age you are as well i think like dangerous for me was maybe you know you know i think maybe 
you know, as a, I was very young, but, you know, I guess it just reminds me of my, my first ever memories of being in a car, you know, was that album playing. So I guess there is an element of that. But I think actually, I mean, you can't really say it's an underrated album because I mean, you just, you just about 10 minutes ago, <laughs> you just reeled off the, 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 the accolades and the sales. It's like, it's not an underrated album, but I think within his discography, I would make an argument for it because I think it is his maddest album. It is his album, which is like, sonically, it's still like, it was made in 1991. You put it next to any R&B album, pop album from that time it just slaps way harder it's a bit like that dr dre the the second chronic album where it just slaps way harder than anything from that time but also i just think that like he really digs into like the paranoia the weirdness like the the like the like kind of harder like kind of james brown like just spitting the lyrics out like he, he doesn't care like like it's like you know like if you're like an a and i mean like no one was a you know at that point like michael jackson was just doing whatever he wanted he was just making that much money for everyone it was just like but like you know like there's some it's not there's elements of that you'd be like oh maybe you should re-sing that a bit more softly or a bit more you know sweetly but he's just like doesn't give a shit and i think i like that you know like teaming up with teddy riley like taking like the hottest new jack swing producer of the time and making this thing that just sounded like out of this world it was like all the best bits of bad but he got a lot of criticism with bad for kind of like leaving his black roots a bit too much i think people were like that was a bit too much of a pop record and so he comes back he takes it back it's got a harder edge the the you know like bro like have you ever tried to have sex to the bad album you can't do it bro like it, it's like if you'll just start cracking up yeah but you can have sex to the dangerous <laughs> album i'm not saying you should considering everything we've just discussed but I'm one just hour saying. 17 minutes you <laughs> <mad. I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> but just like but just like but just like sonically i think that it is like like jam like the stuff that he's talking about you know like if you know like if you see me in the temple like i told my brother da, 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 he's talking like all this man i think my favorite ever michael jackson song is probably wanna be starting something i love it when he like gets into his like paranoid kind of like how like you really get a picture of how mental as fuck he is like i think that is the you know my favorite michael jackson and i think you get so much of that you know he's making this song called like in in the closet about being straight and he tried to get Madonna on it. But Madonna was like, are you having a fucking laugh, mate? I just think like, it just gives you like such a picture for how fucked up he was. And I think that like, as I guess as a big fan, you get a bit more of a window into like, not what he wants to project about himself, but actually like the weird underbelly is, is all there. But also I think that like, if like, you know, like, just 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 as like a mashing of stuff and like a genre bending record let's say if like david byrne had made this album everybody would be wanking over it forever it would be like pitchfork like top album ever but i think in michael jackson's discography because he's he's reached higher pop heights it kind of like doesn't quite get the respect but um the one thing i will say though is that 
I fucking, in my later life, I fucking hate Heal the World. Like, that's not a good tune. Uh, yeah, it's a stinker, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is yeah. Awful. At the yeah. time, at the time, I, I was like, it was always one of them ones where am I going to fast forward it? Am I going to not on the cassette? But like, you know, you just let it play and it was kind of nice. Sometimes I liked it, sometimes I didn't. But it like, listening back now, that's the only one for me. I'm just like, nah, that's a trash tune. But but like, apart from that, like, yeah, that's my shit, man. I, I've, I've been I've been wanking over something for a bit too much. So I'm going to stop. But yeah, cool. No, mate, it's a- <laughs> No, go for it. It's a, it, like, the thing is, is that the highs on this record are- insane i think they are in, mm. like you mentioned jam which oh yeah that might i mean the fact that i'm even considering is that my favorite michael jackson opening track when you think of you know like you mentioned want to be starting something mm. and fucking you know the title track of bad and stuff like mm. absolutely amazing um i do think I, off the wall i've always said is my favorite michael jackson album but then i've just said that bad is the best pop album ever made so you know like the bar is unbelievably high and i do think that yeah this to me always felt like kind of that pop shit that he was doing but you know that more kind of i mean i had someone i know like anthony fantano the uh famous the needle drop the 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 oh, music yeah, critic yeah. got in got in some shit recently for saying that thriller wasn't a 10 oh I've and seen i actually that. Yeah, sort yeah. of yeah yeah and he got fucking dragged over the coals for that very and i was like well look thriller's my third favorite michael jackson album i would say like i think off the wall and bad but and i said oh bad's better than bad is 10 out of 10 amazing right and someone came to me and was like no no it's fake it's pop it's blah 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 all this stuff and I was like, <laughs> are you really going to argue with an album that can leave leave me alone was like a bonus track that they were leave me alone they're just gonna leave it like now nah, we don't insane. like that is insane but then they put it on as a bonus track it's like oh you can just leave a song that good on the like as a as an afterthought it's fucking mad and so i was like well look, everything he'd done at this point was just like banger 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 shit like amazing 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 this is the first time where i think there are a few unnecessary tracks that are left on i think this mm. is 77 minutes if it was 50 minutes, 55 minutes even, maybe even an hour, I still think you're looking at a great, like a truly top tier, like, you know, because the bar for Michael Jackson is so high. It's yeah. so insanely high. And I'm judging it on that. So when I go like, oh, it's his fifth best album, whatever. Like, still, Jam, why you want to trip on me? She drives me wild. Remember the time. Black or white, giving to me gone too soon dangerous i mean that is that is insane how great that is like insane and like you say all the new jack swing stuff and like i like jam man it's just so good it's so good that might be like a top top five maybe top 10 michael jackson tune yeah, ever and the video it's so good yeah the video is like with michael jordan it's just like yeah I, I, I mean i guess as a kid i was just like man this is the coolest shit in the in the world <laughs> but yeah <laughs> Um, Sam, what do you reckon this album? Uh, it's all right. <laughs> right, <laughs> it, it's it's a bit better than that. Uh, no, this is this is. Um, so I'm definitely not as a fan with Michael Jackson's over it as the two of you. Um, I've definitely listened to Thriller and Bad several times. Obviously, I don't know that I've heard Off the Wall in full, which it sounds like that's something I should go and definitely. do basically yes. as soon as we finish recording. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
uh, I mean, it's funny, Steve, you going through the track list there, it's like, well, you've picked all the ones that I really like and you've left out the ones that I'm not so fussed on. Um, I think this is a really interesting maximalist kind of throw everything at the wall experiment, I guess, I would say, to this point in Michael Jackson's career. I mean, you're talking about, Dave, the kind of reaction to bad and maybe him sort of leaving behind his um, sort of African-American roots. I was looking into the, the sort of um, reception, uh, both at the time and the kind of legacy um, reception of this album. Uh, and a lot of them make a make a point of him no longer being the, kind of the the boy the boy from the boy band turned pop star. It's now yeah. now he's the man who is the king of pop. And it's like I think there is something of a shift in identity from bad to this that I think at times is absolutely brilliant on something like Jam. And yeah, and gone too soon. I absolutely love because it's it's basically a sort of ballad from a Disney mm-hmm. film, which gives me a lot of lovely nostalgia. I absolutely love that. But the bookends of Bad and Dangerous, I think. Uh, absolutely fantastic and then there are some moments in the middle heal the world being one which to be fair to it i like the inclusion of the choir and the key change about five minutes in is wonderful i think that is just so radiantly jubilant but that song is not good and it does kind of signal where you're going to go in the latter days of michael jackson's recorded output which is to say earth song which contentious no, no, I, <laughs> people need to stop hating on uh, earth no, song why is earth song i love earth like, song i love earth song i was gonna say <laughs> Earth Song is one where you catch me on the right day. I think it's brilliant. Some days I'm like, oh no, it's a kind of messianic complex. It's oh, this yeah, kind yeah. of absolute, just bewildering. Like he genuinely thinks he is going to, well, I suppose heal the world quite literally. It's like, I really admire the intention. The execution is a little bit too far. I the think, kind of megalomaniacal ego. I think but. that Earth Song at the Brit Awards was the biggest troll of all time. How can the how can an African like if you if you take the idea of the word pop like pop was originally used as a, a way of demarcating the white artists that were covering black music and so the black music would get called rhythmic or whatever and then the white artists would call be called pop right an African American <laughs> it's like I, I can't get my head around it now even now thinking about it he turned himself white right he called himself the king of pop he came to britain potentially like the home of colonialism and <laughs> performed mm. on stage as white jesus <laughs> at the brit awards it is the biggest troll i have and like people were like so uncomfortable but i i don't know looking back at it like he's like healing children on stage and stuff. Like he'd already yeah. worked, walk, walked off one nonce yeah, charge yeah. and he was just like healing children on stage. It was like, it, it was like the most, and like obviously like Jarvis Cocker did, you know, the moon thing and people like love him for that. But I, I, I think maybe some people missed how much, for me, I don't know, you know, he, he did, ha- Michael Jackson did have a sense of humour. And to me, that is really fucking funny. Like doing that. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, to be fair, that, that read on it is not something I'd <laughs> consider, particularly kind of, you know, talking about the historic demarcation of pop music yeah. and everything, and then a, an absolute middle finger to, like you say, the, the biggest, the formerly biggest colonial power in the world. <laughs> to be fair, maybe, maybe I should reevaluate yeah. that performance, which to be fair, actually, I only learned about this year um, when we did a, we did a, a, a sort of classic album feature on um, different class by pulp and Steve um, sort of read sort of minute by minute coverage of what happened at that Brit Awards performance to me. I was finding out live on mic and it was, oh, that was glorious. But that's a really interesting take on it. It's a hell of a thing. Very, very interesting. I'm going to, it was a hell of a thing that Brit, 
that Brit that Brit performance was a hell of a thing. Um, mm. I I said at the time when we were talking about this on the Pulp special, I fucking love Earth Song. I don't give a shit. I think it's great. <laughs> I mean, the guy is. Uh, I mean, that's an interesting. It is an interesting take, Dave. I'd be interested. Like, <laughs> I guess we'll ne- we'll never know, will we? We'll, we'll never, never know. know. <laughs> we'll never know. But it was a mad thing. I tell you what, as well. But but certainly, like, yeah. Um, there's some stuff on this record where I mean I'm gonna chuck in um Will You Be There as well as another like really too over saccharine syrup. Mm. Oh thing. I and, love you know, Will You Be There. That's like, do like Yeah. That's like Dude. you know that's like like that song makes me cry, man. But I, I but I'm I'm quite like I like quite I'm a quite softy in that way, like I'm like yeah, that stuff gets me. Sick. Whereas other people will be like, No, like you're you're trying to get me, so I'm not gonna get got yeah mm. that's seven minutes and 41 of of crying though mate that is a long old cry <laughs> <laughs> like, like it's too long it's just it goes Dude, on that-, that song just goes on for fucking way too long i quite like the first initial hook and then it's like it, it feels like eating a like a, a trough of candy floss it's like it's so yeah, you know, exactly. you get like a ba- you know and you get like a big tin of quality streets or something at christmas and yeah, you just yeah, go i'm yeah. gonna eat the whole lot you get halfway through and they go from tasting like lovely to just being like i think i'm gonna be sick and that's sort of how i feel about that song to be <laughs> no, honest but i'll finish i'll finish the whole tin well so mate good yeah. fair play <laughs> fair play now I, funnily enough because we're talking about michael jackson and when i knew i was doing this obviously you know i i know that there are people that don't like him yeah but i was always like they must like his music though, right? I, again, you know, the thing with reggae and I mentioned it about Motown, I just thought, Michael Jackson, I can't imagine somebody going, no, I don't like Michael Jackson, right? So I went on Twitter, which is a place to find all of the best opinions of things. <laughs> and I did- Hot takes. And I said, yeah. is there anyone out there who actually doesn't like do the music? Like forget him as a personality. Do you like the music of Michael Jackson? 251 votes, 87% of the people said, yeah, of course I like Michael Jackson. That's thirteen percent. He said no, yeah. Which I like genuinely, and that's not a big amount, but it still genuinely shocked me. Like out of two hundred fifty-one people, that's like thirty people who who are like, I don't like Michael Jackson's music, which feels absolutely like a, a staggering amount to me. No, there was always people. that. There was always that section of people. Even like I remember, like back in the day, like in the nineties, there was always that section of people that are like, oh, I don't like all the kind of crotch grabbing and like the he he stuff like it's just like fucking weird and so i think there was always that section and then obviously like as more and more stories started coming out of him i think for some people they can't separate the the stories from the music which is fair enough man i i i'd never i never argue the only the only people i'll ever argue with is someone who says uh none of us can listen to him ever i think i think then i'll be like nah man like I don't think that that is the 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 right position to take. But if if you if you if you're not fucking with it, like that's fair play, man, because he was a mad bastard. Let's be honest. He was. I'm talking about mad bastards. I did get when I put this tweet out. I got what I think might be the most insane thing anyone's ever said to me. Um, oh yeah, Taylor. I've, I've seen like, this. Like absolutely no shade. If you're listening, dude, no shade on you at all. You like what you like. And it is fine. Mm. But this is incredible. He said, not fussed about his nonsense. I don't find any of his songs that good. Smooth Criminal is a good song, but done better by Alien Ant Farm. No, no, that's a troll. That's a troll. <laughs> that is an absolute troll. 
I thought they're, that they're having a laugh. I thought that must be a troll, but I was like, "Do you, do you really think that?" And that he was like, hilarious. "Oh yeah, yeah." In 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 a, in the club, at a wedding, in the gym, wherever, I'll always go to the Alien Ant Farm version, which is mad. That is insane. That's the maddest. That's surely the maddest thing anyone I, I, has I, ever said. I want to punch that guy in the face. <laughs> he's a, Watch out, Taylor. He's a big dude. I wouldn't punch him. Anyway, like, but like, you know, no shade. You shouldn't be ashamed. You people should like whatever it is that they like. But that is mental. Like, uh, that's an interesting hill to die. Like, in, definitely. Uh, I there are some there are some songs that are so good that I just don't think you can ruin them. That are so perfect that if you cover them. And I think Smooth Criminal is one of those songs. And I think Alien Ant Farm stretched that opinion that you can't ruin a truly great song to nigh on breaking point. Because it was, that is a it, bad cover. It was massive though. I remember it went to number one, didn't it? I remember all the kids at school were just like, they were like loving that version, man. It, it, it was a huge record. So I guess maybe if you just remember it from that time and it being... I don't know, but I reckon he was just taking the just taking the piss, man. Let's hope so. For the good of humanity, <laughs> let's let's hope so. Um there you go, Michael Jackson, dangerous is your final pick. What an uh an excellently eclectic five records you picked, Dave. Thanks so much for coming on. No, no, thank we you. We much for appreciate me. that. I've really enjoyed chatting, man. It's been it's been really good. It's been really good. Dude, um City Needs a Hero is out now if you want to go and listen to that record. I fully fully endorse you doing that you should go and do that it's a very good record give everyone a little shout about your tour dates as well dave um if you if people yeah. want to catch you live soon kicking off this friday uh the 21st which is today i guess <laughs> the 21st it is Brist yep. bristol strange yeah. brew uh cardiff uh swoon festival uh where else am i going birmingham leeds glasgow manchester London town. Uh, like I'm very excited about it, man. I'm, I can't wait, man. I'm just going to actually after this, after this, I'm just going to go and run the set a few times and just get the blood pumping, man. Nice. Good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd like to come to the London show. Like I said, I've got to go to bloody Milton Keynes for a Halloween party, apparently. But, but no, um, you don't, oh, I know. No, I want to go. Yeah, I know. It's a bit of a bummer. But anyway. Go and look at the roundabouts in a Bane costume. Why don't you go and see Murkish <laughs> yeah, Dave instead? <laughs> yeah uh, it's, a, it's a pretty good point actually to be fair i don't know what i'm, <laughs> what I'm thinking really but um dave thanks so much for coming on come on anytime you like dave the open I, invitation for you to, I would come love on to come whenever back. you like yeah yeah I, sweet i, we'll talk I, I about love talking whatever. about music and you've saved my missus because i usually just like go on to her about mu music loads and she, <laughs> she she doesn't give a shit she just has to like kind of like listen so like this is a more healthy output for me so thank you <laughs> oh, I well, was glad to um, to help your relationship as well as get some <laughs> good hashtag content out of you as well. All right. Anyway, thanks so much, everyone, for listening. Remember to go to uh, patreon.com forward slash true cult pop and you can sign up for our exclusive stuff. We've got Tenacious D and Napalm Death coming next week. Podcast on all of that. And uh, next week, I guess, Sam, we're going to be talking about Taylor Swift. She's got an album. Yeah, boy. Arctic Monkeys Tay -tay. and yeah. Sugar Horse. Not as big, are Finally. they? Finally. The, the touring package everyone's been <laughs> waiting for. Definitely. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll speak to you then. Thanks for listening, guys. See you then.